Welcome back to the Chip Lunch Podcast. It is wonderful to have you along with us. And uh, today I'm flying solo as a host, but not flying solo <laughs> as a guest. And welcome, Cathra, on the podcast. Thank you. Now, a welcome, by the way, I should say. Thank you yeah, for coming yeah. on. Um, can we get the uh, address the elephant in the room is your name? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> because even when I first met you, First time I got it wrong. Okay. So yeah, yeah, yeah. do you want to spell so it and then Cathra, explain? Cathra, C-A-T-H-R-A. Yep. And it comes from a mountain in England in the Lake District near a town called Keswick, which I actually spent a lot of time in growing up, which is ironic because it was later. So my parents named me after a mountain in this area. In fact, even more specific than that, we lived in a little village called Threlkeld, which is on the mountain itself. Wow. And that's not... That wasn't planned. <laughs> but anyway, that's, a, that's another story. But yeah, so th- my name comes from a mountain called Blencathra. 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 Right. Yes. Is that the full name of the The full mountain? name of the mountain is Blencathra. It's got a nickname, which is Saddleback, because it looks like a horse's saddle. Oh, really? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> okay. And then so they just shortened it to they Cathra. They shortened it to Cathra. So my parents were going to call me Catherine. Yes. Which is quite normal. Mm-hmm. Um, but they had friends at the time who were also pregnant and also were going to call their baby Catherine. And they agreed to both go away and choose different names. And they <laughs> <laughs> they were Scottish and they called their – well, they were planning to call their baby Kirsty because that's the Scottish version of Catherine. Okay. And my parents decided to call me Catherine, which I think they'd had in the background, but were a bit like, oh, it's a bit different. We'll just go the safe. And they went, okay, no, we'll, we'll go that version. And then they ended up having, the other family ended up having a boy and they had Douglas. So <laughs> <laughs> it wouldn't have mattered anyway. I just thought it was funny because you said that you were both going to call Catherine. Oh, they, sorry, they were both uh, going to yeah. call the babies Catherine. And they're like, okay, we'll go back and change it. Like, we'll just change it to Cathra. Yeah, <laughs> not, not too different. But it was different enough that it was, you know. And very different to Douglas. And very well. different to Douglas. I, I, um, I think I said to you the other week, or was it me even last Saturday, mm. that like, it is unusual, mm. but it's not weird unusual. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's not, well, yeah. It's I not mean, hi- like, like a hyphenated it. name or anything like that. No, like no, it's, it's yeah. not. Yeah, no. And my dad's friend has now got a daughter called Cathra. Oh, because they liked it. And, I mean, she's like 18 years younger than me, so I was already an adult by the time they had that baby. And That works, that works. That okay. works out. And then we've called our youngest daughter, Ava. Her middle name is Cathra. Oh, okay. So it's nice. kind of going through, yeah. It's yeah, not, your parents have started finished. something. Yeah, the, yeah. I yeah, reckon. it's really cool. Yeah. Well, uh, yes, as you, uh, we've already discussed, uh, first time on the podcast. Yep. First, first time even listening to the podcast because yeah. you haven't listened to anything. <laughs> I confess, I haven't listened to any yet. But I'm also, inspired though to go and listen to them. <laughs> yeah, excellent. A lot of, like I said, a lot of people come on the podcast and then they go and listen to all the yeah, other yeah. episodes, which is cool. Um, but also probably uh, the most uh, highfalutin guest because you asked for uh, sparkling water. <laughs> is that you did offer sparkling water. It wasn't like, well, I will only drink sparkling water. It's just a reason to throw you under the bus. <laughs> I do like my sparkling water. I have well, kudos to uh, Lou Crawshaw, of course, who uh, works for Zip oh, and got that. that Zip tap installed. Oh, and I didn't you know you could get Zip taps that did sparkling water until go. we got it in church. So. Yeah, very cool. We have, just saying before, we have sparkling water that comes out of our fridge. And I have to say, I know this sounds very, very like pretentious. This but is when great. We no, you're, 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 you're really stepping into the role which I've created for you. <laughs> when we go on holiday, I really miss my fridge. 
Because <laughs> of the sparkling water. <laughs> the sparkling water on top. And it's partly, I don't like using plastic bottles. So I don't like buying mm-hmm. plastic bottles of sparkling water. So yeah, it's, you know, it's an environmental reason too. But yeah, uh, we, we have a soda stream at yeah. home as well. Similar thing. Mm. But yours soda stream is in it's the fridge. a soda stream, but it's just in the fridge. So you just put your cup. Like, you know, when you get filtered water out yeah. of the fridge, you just put it up and you can pick either sparkling or normal. Oh, really? That's pretty cool. Yeah, it's very cool. I love it. I didn't know you could do that as well. Look, I'm just learning so many sparkling water facts. <laughs> it's, it's, it's unreal. Um, so yes, so thank you for coming on the podcast. My pleasure. Uh, why don't we ask you the first question, though, is like, sure. how do you like to eat your hot chips? Yeah, good question. Uh, <laughs> being English, it's definitely salt and vinegar. Like, you have to have mm. vinegar. And it has to be a decent amount of vinegar. And really, Australian vinegar doesn't sort of live up to the standards. I don't know why. If you get vinegar in a fish and chip shop, I don't know whether they water it down or maybe it's not malt vinegar or I don't know what it is, but it's just not quite the same as eating chips in England. Really? Mm. Uh, We heard a lot of people that do have, like, are from England, from English background, that they, a lot of them say vinegar. Yeah. Why do you think that is? It's just because you've grown up like that. It's just tasty. (laughs) (laughs) Just makes the chip. I think it also cuts through the grease. Mm. So if you've got a bit of a greasy chip, it stops it because then you see this is the tricky thing because i feel like as well australian chips are a bit dry so they're maybe not as greasy but they're just not they haven't got that nice like crunchy but moist oh that's interesting yeah so so it needs crunchy and oh the texture has to yeah crunchy moist and then the vinegar stops the grease from like coating your mouth and being disgusting huh so that's maybe why so if it's greasier, then you need the vinegar more to do that. You need the vinegar more to do, that. to do that. It's probably not healthier. It's probably really <laughs> bad for you. But I feel like that's what makes a good chip. A bit a bit on the greasy side because it's got to be nice and moist and crunchy. Mm. But then it needs the vinegar to... I hadn't thought of that. That's really place. interesting. This is why we ask this question. It's very <laughs> fascinating. Uh, does the vinegar, though, make a chip soggy? No. Because no. you don't need to... So that's the thing. Australian chips, once you put vinegar on them, to get enough vinegar to have the good taste, it's soggy yeah. because I think they water the vinegar down or it's not strong enough vinegar in the first place. Mm. Whereas British vinegar is like... It kicks and punches. Like, the rest, like the rest of the kingdom. <laughs> that's right. <laughs> the rest so of the empire. you don't need as much so it doesn't make it soggy. It just makes it tasty. Vinegar fit for an empire. That's right. Wow. Yeah. That's really cool. <laughs> um, another sub, sub question I like mm-hmm. to ask about the chips is that do you have any like special memories about eating hot chips? A lot of people say they're grandparents, but I'm, oh, it doesn't mean you have to say that. No, not my grandparents. I remember being on holiday in Cornwall with my dad and eating fish and chips on the beach and a seagull eating <gasps> the whole fish, like literally took the whole fish out of my hand really? as I'm out picking it hand? up to have a nibble. <laughs> and seagulls, see, I'd forgotten this fact, but... <laughs> this is, is this, this a British a versus Australian seagull <laughs> yes. thing? <laughs> British versus Australian. This is why British. This is why the British conquered the world. (laughs) So moving to Australia, I didn't really notice the change in seagulls. As in, I didn't notice that they were quite different (laughs) to British seagulls. But we went back to the UK last year. We were there for about six months. Mm. And the first thing I noticed was the seagulls. They sound really different. It was the sound of the seaside. So I heard we the first place we stayed was in a little apartment on the coast and I could hear the seagulls every morning. I was like, wow, that's taken me back like 20 years to what seagulls sound like. And then we saw the seagulls and they're huge. They're like this big. In the UK. In the big, UK. Yeah. Whereas mm-hmm. seagulls here are small, which is weird because I always feel like everything in Australia is bigger. Oh, yeah. <laughs> so We're a big an island anyway. <laughs> so for like, you know, spiders are bigger, all the things mm-hmm. are bigger and scarier. And then I get to England. I'm, oh, well, actually, this was Northern Ireland, but similar British mm-hmm. Isles. Mm-hmm. And they were huge. And I was like, wow, I totally did not realise that. 
British seagulls are really big. Uh, <laughs> this is very random. It's Probably great. not that interesting. <laughs> no, I love this stuff. Uh, are you happy to give us a difference in the sound? Like, what oh, I, can't, I can't imitate it. But it's, it, oh, you'd have to like, I'm sure you could find it online. British seagull sound, to me, it's just the sound of the seaside. I'm it's sure like, it's oh. not like... Oh, more like higher pitched, maybe. I don't know. It's like there's it's like an accent. They've got a different accent. <laughs> They've got an accent. <laughs> they're obviously like a, quite a different bird because they're so much bigger and they sound very different. Mm. Yeah, no, I can't do it. I'm not. I'm not good at imitating. They, do they look the same or are they different? Pretty colour? much. Yeah, no, they pretty okay. much look the same. They're just bigger. Mm. Yeah. Empire birds. Empire, <laughs> Empire seagulls. That's really cool. I'm trying to think of anything else to ask you about that, but maybe we should move on. You move on from seagulls. <laughs> Uh, okay, so next question, mm-hmm. and you—I uh, I told you what this question was going to mean. Do you want the shorter version or the long version? And I yeah. said I want the long version. Mm-hmm. Is um, how did you become a Christian? So you said you wanted the long version. Please, so here it goes. Yeah, please, let's go. <laughs> well, so I grew up in a, a non-Christian home. So um, my parents divorced when I was maybe well, actually, then they got divorced. When I was about seven or eight, but they were broken up from before I was born. Actually, I think they w- had actually broken up before I was even conceived and then got back together oh, for wow. like a night, went to a party together. I think they were in the like, we're sort of together, but sort of not together stage. I have an older brother who's two years older than me. Okay. And um, I was conceived and then my dad <laughs> came. <laughs> my dad, because he's actually... <laughs> I just don't need, don't need any more details don't on that. don't need any more details. I just, you know... We're glad you're here. <laughs> it's good. I know, that's right. I'm like, go mum, that was good. <laughs> um, I exist. Um, and then my dad... Because he's actually a really good dad and he came home for the first nine months that I was born, but then left again because that's just where they were at in their relationship. So, um, yeah, so don't ever really remember my parents being together, but I had a really loving loving home, um, really, you know, great upbringing. So um, dad was around. He went to, um, I think when I was about two, he left to travel down south. So I grew up in the northeast of England. I don't sound like I should sound. I should have a, mm-hmm. a like a nearly Geordie accent, yeah. which is sort of quite strong and hard to understand. Hence, I've had to ch- learn how to speak differently <laughs> so that people can understand me. Where, um, where in the northeast? Sorry, a town called Darlington. So okay. it's in County Durham. I've heard of I've heard of Darlington. Darlington. So the tra- if you ever go on a train in the UK mm-hmm. and go north, you'll go through. Darlington. So yeah, the way there is the way that I know lots of cities in England is because of football clubs. Oh, so go. I've heard of Darlington. Yeah, I mean we're not amazing, but we've done all right at some points. We're not in the Premiership. Or anything, no. But no, yeah. no, no, I'm a Liverpool supporter. So oh, there you go. So, uh, Same as Lee. Oh, really? Yeah, very big Liverpool supporter. Oh, we haven't. Have you not had that conversation? Oh, well, there you and go. You know that Jai's going to Anfield later this year. I didn't know that. He'll be very excited. We'll need to, we yeah, need to discuss. And Brayden as well is a massive Liverpool uh, fan. So oh, we will... There's um, a little Liverpool will, contingent. <laughs> absolutely. We'll create our own cop over here. <laughs> anyway, awesome. I'm glad you know what I'm talking about. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, sorry, back to you grew yeah. up in Darlington. So I grew up in Darlington. So my dad left to move down south to go to stage school. So he trained to be an actor. Oh, okay. Um, and then <clears throat> my mum brought us up. Um, mm. She's a counsellor and then later became like a more like a life coach runs sort of personal development training courses type things a counsellor is in work for the council no counsellor is in personal counsellor emotional one-to-one psychology kind of counseling yes yes, and then became like a more like a coach so rather than helping pull people out of their Mm. issues and dealing with trauma and that kind of thing she Mm. more helps people to 
push forward to be their best selves, if that makes any sense in yep. terms of the difference. Yep. So that's her thing. So she's got self-employed. She's still, she's in her 70s and she's still doing that oh, go now. Her. Yeah, go her. Um, <laughs> <laughs> she's pretty awesome. Um, yeah, so grew up in a really lovely home. My dad remarried when I was about, I guess I was 12, but I think they were together from when I was about six-ish. Um, she to uh, Karen, so she was my stepmom growing up. She had two boys, so I had, if I was with my dad, I had, oh, he moved back to Darlington. That was a bit I missed out of that. So yep. he moved back to Darlington to be close to us. And then, um, yeah, she, so I was either, if I was with them, we were a family of six. And if I was at my mum's family of three, my mum and my brother. Yep. Um, so Karen lived in Threlkeld on the foothills of Blencathra. Oh. So when my dad met Karen, First, he was working in the theatre in Keswick and she was selling tickets in the box office mm-hmm. and um, that's how they met. And so we, he would spend, he lived over there for that stage season and lived with her eventually and then we would go and visit. And so we would live on the mountain that I was named after. Which oh, wow. Cool. Okay. <laughs> right. Very cool. So that cool. was very cool. Um, yeah, so that was that little connection. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, that was sort of my upbringing. Loved being in the outdoors. Mm. Um, loved the Lake District, which is sort of mountains and walking and climbing and that kind of stuff. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and then when so I decided when I was about fourteen, my mum had a friend come and who lived with us for a while, who was from New Zealand, and I decided when I was about fourteen, which is when she was living with us, that I would when I was eighteen, I would go travelling and I'd go to New Zealand and yeah, stay right. with this friend and do that kind of thing. So I worked and saved up my money and when I was 18 I left and went to New Zealand and um, travelled around there and travelled through Australia and then met, well actually and then travelled through Thailand and when I was in Thailand that's when I met Lee because oh. he was also doing a gap year. He'd done a mission trip in Thailand and then was came to stay with his aunt and uncle who live in Engadine. And then um, was in Thailand again on his way home and we met on a beach in Thailand. Wow. So At a full moon party or something? <laughs> kind of, not quite, but the next <laughs> night or the two nights after or something, yeah, okay. <laughs> basically. <laughs> right. We started chatting and, yeah, it was very romantic. We sat and talked all night and the sun set, well, the sun set and we talked all night and then the sun then started rising wow. and we were like, oh, look, the sun's rising and we're still talking. It was very romantic. Very romantic, mm. yeah. So Does that um, sealed the deal for you? <laughs> <laughs> Not quite. The sunrise <laughs> tells me that this is something <laughs> this I should push you. Yeah, no, I mean, we, we hung out for like about a week and then I went back to the UK and Lee had an extra couple of days and then flew back to Northern Ireland and... Um, we sort of stayed in touch for about a year at that point, but on and off, like we'd sometimes not really speak to each other, sometimes we would. And then got to a point where we were talking a lot on the phone and I went over to to visit and then we sort of de- yeah, started dating at that point. Went over to Northern Ireland, sorry. Yeah, yeah. so Lee was back in Northern Ireland. Mm. Um, he was finishing off his nursing degree. So he'd started a nursing degree and then um, was running a short-term mission trip to Thailand and so had to take a year out of his course to be able to to do that um, just to do with the way that the holidays fell and stuff they wouldn't let him take only that amount of time off he had to take the whole year so then he thought well if I've got to take a whole year off I may as well make the most of that and so has an uncle that lives in Engadine mm-hmm. who's a Christian mm-hmm. and Lee at the time was one of the only Christians in his family so he called up his uncle and was like oh you're a Christian, I'm a Christian, do you mind if I come and live with you for a bit? And they were like, okay. So um, <laughs> so, he, so he did. 
and um, yeah, so ran the trip, trip to Thailand, came to Australia, yep. lived with his uncle for about a year, yep. and then was in Thailand on his way home, went back to Northern Ireland to finish off his nursing degree. And then... Are you not a Christian at this point? I was not a Christian at this okay. point. Okay. Yes. So cool. the kind of the, I guess the hiccup in the story is that that part of the, yeah. the thing. So um, when Lee was in Australia, so Northern Ireland's a weird place. Mm. And this is partly Lee's story as well, but I yeah. don't think well, he I'd love to have Lee on telling, the Yeah, you should have well. Lee on because mm. he'll tell you it differently, I'm sure. Sure. Um, or, you know, some <laughs> hopefully similarly. <laughs> hopefully I'm not, you know, oh, the sunrise. Totally it didn't say, the <laughs> didn't, sun didn't no, rise. he'll say I kissed him first. This is oh. the bit that he always adds in, which is so not the case. So I'm just going to put that out there now because if you do that, he'll be like, yeah, she came on to me. <laughs> so not the case. Um, he just likes to say that. Uh, <laughs> as boys do. Anyway, mm-hmm. back to the, you know, back to you. spiritual part of yeah. the story. <laughs> he, um, yeah, so he really, Northern Ireland, yeah, Faithways is, a, is an interesting place, like in terms mm. of Christianity mm. and civil war and yes. religion and war being combined and politics being combined into all of that. Um, mm. So his sort of growth in his faith he feel like happened significantly when he got to Australia. Okay. And he was among Christians who were just normal people, going out, surfing, having fun, going to parties, mm. doing life together, but as Christians. And he grew massively. And then he was like, I need to live here. I need to not go back to Northern Ireland. This is, this is where I should have been born. To kind of step away um, from that political nature of... Yeah, I think so. I think, and like, as the years have gone by, and we've, I guess... It, it beca- you know, hindsight's a wonderful thing, but you can look back now and I'm like, clearly he also was highly traumatised from his upbringing and life. Oh, okay. And so to have had a year away from that and separation from that and things that were still going on at home that were messy and not nice, <coughs> the thought of going back into that was pretty massive for him. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, yeah, I think that combines with the whole thing. And so then when he basically was in Thailand on his way home, he was already in the like, what's the point? Don't want to be I there. Need to go Don't want to go. Australia. I need to be back in Australia. <laughs> Don't want to go back to church. Can't possibly, you know, because they because they don't think about Christianity in the same way that we do. And so he'd almost, mm. he hadn't walked away from God by any stretch. He was definitely still a Christian, but he was that sort of, of church really struggling with, yeah, how to live out his faith mm. and how to enter back into Northern Ireland and the kind of, I guess, the culture that goes with that and that goes with Christianity and certainly did. I mean, this is 20 years ago as well. So, you know, 20 years ago, what that looked like. Mm. Um, So by the time we met, he was not particularly acting like a Christian. Um, And so then did some other dumb things across the next year. (laughs) I'm sure he won't mind me saying that. We'll get him him on the podcast to tell (laughs) us. We'll do that. Um, And... (laughs) You can only say that about your husband, can't you? <laughs> <laughs> no, no, I can say that about many people. <laughs> yeah, true. But would they forgive you? That's the thing. <laughs> okay. <laughs> Fair enough. Um, yeah. So, yeah. So we dated and at that point, so then he, so I guess we was, it was long distance for a while. Mm. Um, and he then was finishing, so he was finishing off his degree and there came a point when we were sort of making that decision, like, is he going to then move to England? Because I was, I'd just started my university degree, so I had three years of that. Um, so this would have been at the end of my first year. Mm-hmm. 
And so he, um, yeah, he. we got to the point of going, yeah, he, he wanted to move over to England. I wanted him to do that. We sort of saw a future for ourselves together. Um, and then, but he, he still wasn't going to church. And he was saying to me, he would say to me things like, I'm always going to love God more than I love you. And I was like, I don't, that's weird. <laughs> I don't get that. Like, what does that even <laughs> <You're right> mean? <laughs> but also, you keep telling me about this God you love, but you're not living that out. Like, you're not going to church. You're not following him in any other way. I know that that God tells you that you shouldn't sleep with somebody. And I know that, like, outside of marriage, I know that, that God tells you you shouldn't be with somebody that's not a mm. Christian. Like, uh, that's pretty clear. How did you know that, by the way? Uh, probably he told me, but yeah. probably, you know, like as in amongst conversations, but also like we occasionally would have gone to church right, or like right. just in conversations we mm. would have had. I'm pretty sure I would have mm. known that stuff through those things. Is there any version of scripture in schools or anything like that? No, nah, I'd never heard the gospel. Mm. Yeah, okay. That's Which is really intriguing. I find it really intriguing. So yeah. my parents, my grandparents went to church. <laughs> my mum would have taken me to church sometimes at Christmas. Um, we used to go to our local um, Anglican church just up the road. We could walk there yep. and we had a thing called a Chris Dingle. I don't know if that's a thing anymore or if it even ever was a thing in Australia. Chris Dingle? A Chris Dingle. Chris Dingle. What's <laughs> that? So it was like a Christmas Eve service at about five o'clock, I guess. And the reason I used to like going was because as you walk through the door, if you're a kid, you got given an orange and it, the orange had a candle in the middle okay. and it had little cocktail sticks with raisins and lollies on mm -hmm. it. <laughs> mm -hmm. And at a certain point in the service, the candle got lit and you walked down the, the aisle to the front and put your, your little Christingle orange at the, at the front. But you got to eat your lollies while you were waiting, so it like kept you quiet. And then I got to put my candle at the front of church. Or maybe you didn't put it down, maybe you just paraded with it. I can't remember exactly what you did. I'm trying to understand, what's the significance no of the idea. orange? don't know. Probably just a good candle holder. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Keeps little children from not getting their hands burnt. Yeah, right. okay. Um, <laughs> so that was kind of your experience That's of my church, experience though. of church. That plus my grandparents' church, oh, which yes. I went to every time we visited my grandparents. They were highly involved in their church. Um, I don't know that they were Christians. I don't mm -hmm. think from later conversations I had with my grandpa, like so my granny died before I became a Christian, but conversations I had with my grandpa after I became a Christian, I'm not convinced that he was a Christian like he would have said that Jesus wasn't God that the Bible wasn't fully the word of God it's like, just a good book good, a good moral book, good morals yeah. mm. and he was like highly involved in his church like you know one of the biggest servers well, that's fascinating. so it's really intriguing mm. um so I never but I was never told anything about God by them which also makes me go <laughs> <laughs> I wonder how much of a Christian they really yes, were. Okay, you know what I mean? Mum mum grew up in church, but very much walked away from that as a older teenager. Yeah. And my dad a bit similarly. So my my grand granny on the other side would have also gone to church. Like I remember going with her, but differently, not involved in the same way. Mm. Um, and my dad, yeah, had a sort of a moment where he wanted to come to faith, he would say, when he was um, in his mid to late 20s. I think he'd sort of just left my mum, maybe his early 30s actually, if I think about it, how old would he have been? Yeah, about early 30s. Just left my mum, was living in London with a friend. This friend had also just separated from his wife and the friend went to, I can't think of the name of the church. What's the name of the church that Alpha came out of? Br Brom Bromley... Uh, something I don't know. anyway i'm from a non-christian family <laughs> <so>. <laughs> went to that church <laughs> became a christian 
Wow, okay. And my dad was like, oh, I want what he's got. And went with him and, like, in his retelling of the story, he tried. He sort of tried it and it didn't work. And so I don't really know what that looks like fully. I've tried to have that conversation with my dad a few times, Mm. but it's a bit hard to get get there. Like, there's a lot of hurt from him. He's very angry about a God that allows suffering in the world is kind of his... I think, biggest sticking point. For a a lot of other people too. Yeah, yeah, for sure. And so I think it's hard to kind of, he just doesn't believe a lot of it. But then he'll still, like he says, he'll pray and he believes in some sort of something, but I'm not sure what. My mum's very much like more new agey, spiritual, everything goes, a bit of all things is great. Jesus is awesome. She would say she was a Christian, but she also knows she's not in my eyes. As in she knows, she's like, well, if you're talking about Christians as you define it, then no, I'm not. But you know, yeah. in another world, she would say she was because mm-hmm. she went to church and was confirmed and all that kind of thing. Yeah. Can't remember where I was now, though. Well, you're talking about Lee moving to England. Oh, yeah. But that, that was... I, I think, like but that was, was a long, that was a big tangent. <laughs> no, but that was a good one, though, because it it's kind of sets the stage for why... Mm. For oh, you how said you how kind my, of became my, I don't know, something about... Oh, you were asking about scripture in school. Yeah. I was saying I hadn't had the gospel message yeah. and that was my experience of it. Yeah, okay, that's cool. Yeah, so I kind of challenged him basically to say, mm. if you're a Christian and you're saying you love God more than me, then you need to start showing it because otherwise that doesn't make sense to me and you're not, you know, you're not, you're being the hypocritical Christian that nobody as a Christian wants to be. That's interesting. Um, so... I'm just wondering, like, if, if God put that on you. On your I reckon. First. Yeah. I mean, shortly. Yeah. <laughs> um, Sorry, keep going. I was yeah. Th- that's really interesting. Mm. Yeah. So when Lee moved to <coughs> to England, which would have been about, get my years right, September 2003. Mm. Um, and you're still in the northeast? Still in the northeast, to? but not in Darlington. So I went to university in Hull. Yep. Which is sort of still still northeast, but about two hours. Actually, south have a, I have a map up here. Oh, you got a map. I'm, I'm looking. Go. I'm, I'm I'm interested to where we're travelling. Yeah, all. yeah. So yep. um, we're in Hull now. It's so about two hours south of Darlington, mm-hmm. and Hull is. <laughs> Lee always says he went to Helen. Well, Hull and back for me, but Hull and back <laughs> because it was voted Britain's. Am I allowed to like mildly swear on this podcast? Uh, it's not like we'll it. Can you beat this, please? <laughs> Britain's what? It's no, Britain's crappiest city. Oh, that's it's fine. Not like, that's yeah, fine. I'm like, what? Well, you know, mildly. I thought you were going to drop an F word. <laughs> no, or no, mild, mild swearing. My children have this. This is again another tangent, but the kids, <laughs> my kids say, you know, everyone in the house, mummy's the one that swears, but like, I really don't swear that much. Used to when I was a child yeah. and a teenager and a young adult, yeah. it definitely was. You got a, as I said, from coming from non Christian pa- family. In the northeast of England, like, you yeah. have to survive. <laughs> totally. Like, it's a survival factor. Yeah. Um, the only thing I got in trouble at primary school and high school for was talking and swearing. <laughs> <laughs> well, I can yeah. understand. Yeah, yeah, that's probably about right, actually. <laughs> same, same, same. Um, yeah, so anyway, that's just funny. But yes, yeah, mm. so Britain's worst city. Yes. I don't know, three years in a row or something. So oh, he, three years in a row. Oh, yeah, that's, good, that's not good, good. Three years in a row. We had some interesting incidents while we were there. Um, we used to have a, a, there was a little, a little a group of young boys who used to try and break into our house regularly oh. to the point where I would just sit in the living room and wave at them because <laughs> they they'd just come up and look to see if we were in and I'd just wave and they'd toddle off. Oh, and okay. um, if they couldn't see us, then they would attempt to break in. And one day I found one of them through the kitchen window um, 
and I won't repeat what I said to him because that will need to be beeped out. Well, you weren't a Christian then. I was not a Christian at this point. That's right. <laughs> Clarification in the story. Um, <laughs> he, yeah. Anyway, that was it. Was it was inter- Yeah, it was a bit sad though because then we went and did a um, had to do a, like a. So when you go to the police station, you look at all the faces of all the people that sort oh, of fit the profile. Yeah, of what is that called? Like, a, not it, a lineup. It's not a lineup because, but, like but it was online, and they just had every single kid that fitted the profile. So I said he's probably between twelve and fourteen. This is, you know, colour hair, blah blah blah. Yeah, right. And there was hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of kids. And you think how many twelve to fourteen year olds in one city are getting arrested regularly for like, breaking, for breaking, breaking in. entering? Yeah, mm. and it was like it's so sad. Anyway. Mm. And I did pick a few of them out, which was, I don't know if that's good or bad. Hopefully that somewhere along the line they've, you know, grown and matured and are no longer breaking into houses. Out of I, reach of the long arm of the law. That's right. Cheeky <laughs> <laughs> blinders reference. Yeah. Um, yeah, and our car used to get stolen all the time, but we oh, kept really? getting it back. Oh, <laughs> I just want the kids to steal it. So I can get the insurance money. Sure. We would <laughs> get a bit of car. We got to the point where they'd broken into it that many times that they'd broken the ignition, so we had to hotwire it to start. Oh it. no! So we'd get in the car every time we get in the car. We'd hotwire the car. This feels like very, like, very um, roughing it uni student life. We were we were mm. roughing it uni student life, mm. but it was also the northeast of England, and it was not that. I mean, it was. That was our experience of life at that point. Like that was pretty normal. It's very yeah. much not the Shire. By <laughs> <laughs> um, any stretch, the uh, uh, many places are not the Shire. <laughs> many places Catherine. are not the Shire. As many people in the That's Shire right. will tell you. <laughs> <laughs> so um, yeah, so we lived, to, lived. So Lee moved to Hull for me, uh, where he was planning on moving straight back to Australia. So his plan yeah. was: I go home, I finish my degree, I move straight back to Australia. And he waylaid his plans for two years. However, you mm, you put through a spanner in the works. I did. I put a spanner in the works, and he waylaid his plans for two years so that I could finish university. And he made the decision that when he moved to England, he was like, "Right, that's it. I've got to find a church because if I don't do it now, I can see the trajectory that my path, like the mm. you know the path that I'm going down, and uh, that's not a good good place to go." So he. Um, yeah, so he did. He found a church in Hull, um, and it was an Anglican church, and it was really, really good. Like it was a really good church. Um, it it taught the gospel. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good start. Yeah. They had a really good um, uni kind of presence, and so I I felt, and I, I think for me, I guess this is how my like this is now the start of my story to becoming a Christian in a way was that I felt welcomed into that community. Um, you know, I'd turn up and I would be swearing and doing all whatever else, but nobody kind of... Like it made it, you feel like on the outer. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, I remember feeling the outer. In fact, I actually felt more accepted by them than I had done really by anybody in the previous, I don't know how many years, a long time where... So I'd spent a lot of time... So when I'd been travelling, you're meeting people constantly all the time. And I think a big part of my story is that... Um, I guess, want, like, find, where did I find my identity? And I think a lot of my teenage years, a lot of that came through attention from boys and not always very nice relationships with girls. Mm. And so I found, I felt more comfortable around boys. And, um, but obviously with that also came, re- like, romantic relationships, maybe not romantic's the wrong word, but, you know, sexual relationships as well. Mm. And I think I felt like a lot of my identity came from that sort of... Um, 
what people could get from me or like all relationships were based around that or going out and drinking and how stupid you could be and how dumb you could you know like and how crazy you could be and all of that kind of stuff like a lot of my relationships were based on what people could get from me if that makes sense rather than on who I was and so um I yeah I came to church and I was like oh these people actually are interested in me like they're asking me questions about me and who I am and what I like and what I'm interested in Mm. and I um yeah I found I I guess I felt safe I felt like it was a safe community of people to be more yourself to be myself yeah trying to be something for someone else and they'd take it out of you kind of thing totally yeah so um yeah so that was really really nice to be part of that and Mm. so we they used to after night church they'd go to a local coffee shop and they'd do like I guess like a bit of a Bible study type thing, but it was more topical. It was sort of going through questions of, yep. uh, I don't know, things that are, I guess, important for uni students to think yeah. about. Or what like does relationships the Bible say about or like, But yeah, exactly, that kind of thing. So we'd go along to that. And I, you know, it was the first time I was hearing the gospel. It was the mm. first time I was hearing what Christians believed. And I didn't like a lot of it. Like I really <laughs> did not like a lot of it because a lot of it was, because they were sort of jumping straight in on the hot topics of like, um, relationships and that kind of stuff instantly I was like well we're being condemned because we're living together and you know like that kind of stuff and uh, I didn't like the bible's view on homosexuality I didn't like the bible's view on what I perceived the bible's view to be on women at the time I think I think mm-hmm. a lot of that stuff I've also learned that probably the way that they taught some of that stuff wasn't necessarily helpful like I think it was probably a bit too not hard line but not very nuanced if that makes mm. sense um so i think i i did get a total whiplash to be like this is yeah you're like, excited and then you're like oh hang on i don't agree with any of this yeah yeah, yeah. so that, but it was a weird like um yeah weird juxtaposition because it was like i'd sit in church and the other thing i really didn't like was when we'd be in church and they'd do communion because i made it very clear that i was not to take communion. Which again is that hard line. It's that a really hard line. And Mm -hmm. so I would sit there either in tears or feeling like I wanted to cry (laughs) every time because I did not want to be excluded. And I'd been to church and I'd never felt excluded in church before. I hadn't really seen that I was any different from anybody else there. And maybe in that church I wasn't any different from anybody else there. But in this church it was clear I was not a Christian. And um, I found that really hard. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, it's tricky. It's that balance between that's a good thing because then I could see that I was outside of something that these people had. Mm. Um, but you're still very much welcomed. Still very much welcomed, still, yeah. you know, really, yeah, very much wanted to be there. Felt mm. like these were the people that I could relate to. Mm. Um, sounds like you were in a fair bit of turmoil. Oh, totally. Yeah, mm. definitely. Yeah, and that lasted for a good year. Yeah, because so it's challenging your identity so much. Yeah, mm. yeah. Definitely challenging my identity, challenging my beliefs. Like, could I, how could I possibly become a Christian if that meant I had to believe these things and that meant I had to live that way? Like, that would go against everything I'd been taught by my mum, everything I'd been grown up to believe, you know. And so I really found that so hard because I also knew it was so important to Lee. Yeah. for his faith and he it was, was now and he was really important to me and he was now maturing in his faith and like really kind of you know getting stuck into growing in well, his the, faith doing again. the thing that you challenged him to exactly. do exactly mm-hmm. he was now doing that exact thing and that was really really good and I could see that and I could see that that was a really good thing for him 
yeah, so that was a tricky year. And I, I mean, I went and I did sort of Christianity Explored and that kind of thing and asked loads and loads of questions. I mean, these, I, feel so, I feel like I need to go back and apologise now to all these people because <laughs> I was not very nice. I remember we'd go to, well, it wasn't that I wasn't nice. I just would ask the hard questions and not let them get away with really, really bad answers. Like I'd be like, no, that's just not okay. You can't just say that, you know. And, and I think that was good. I think it was good for their faith. I think it was good for their learning how to be evangelistic. Yeah. <laughs> I like to think I helped them grow. Well, this is the interesting <laughs> thing that you're challenging... You've already challenged Will, uh, not Will, sorry, Lee. Uh, Lee. Yeah. Sorry, someone on my phone called Will is calling me right now. That's why I said <laughs> Will. Um, challenging Lee, yeah. but also challenging mm. the other guys that were trying yeah. to teach you the Bible, but yeah. you weren't even a Christian yet. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, for sure. Were you looking for like the one answer? Is that what you think you were looking for? Or are you just sort of looking for answers on many things? I, think I was looking for an answer. I think I. Um, yeah, I remember going to um, a wedding of friends of ours. Actually, people we're now quite close with. We friend of Lee, who um, he grew up together. He grew up with her, and they um, lived in England at the time. Anyway, this is like another little side story. But they lived in Newcastle in England at the time. But she's from Northern Ireland. She married a guy from Newcastle, yeah. and. Uh, this is the northeast accent, by the way, when you say Newcastle. Did it come through? Yeah. <laughs> That's not funny. I hear it sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, anyway, we I'd met them once maybe because they were friends of Lee's and we went to their wedding last year when we were in Northern Ireland. We spent a lot of time with them and got really close to them. Mm. Lee's actually staying at their house right now. Oh, lovely. So, they're really close to me now, but it's really nice, I suppose, to then look back and go, because at the time I didn't really know them. So, we went to their wedding and... Um, She's a, they're Christians. And one of the songs they had at their wedding, I can't even remember the name of the song, but there's a, I think the bridge in it is Open the Eyes of My Heart, Lord. Um, I Want to Know You, something along those lines. Yeah. Um, and I remember being in church singing that, being like, I really mean that. Like, I really want that. I want happen. that to happen. Yeah. I want my eyes to be opened. I want to know you. But I just didn't. And I couldn't yeah, see it at that time. It makes sense of what you've been saying so yeah. far. Yeah. Um, and then I remember there came a point where I'm quite a logical person. Like I need to f- understand stuff logically. It needs to make sense to me. If it doesn't make sense, I'm like, oh, <laughs> this doesn't make sense. Like I can't, Move on. can't agree with that. <laughs> you need to explain it to me. Yeah. Need to, and then that's, I guess, where I used to ask lots of questions. Because I'm like, mm-hmm. well, until this makes sense to me, I'm not satisfied. Like mm. I have to get it. Mm. Um, so... Yeah, through doing Christianity Explored and another couple of things <clears throat> through that church and going to some of the uni groups and different stuff that they had on and going to church, I guess I kept asking all those questions and there came a point when it logically all made sense to me. I was like, I can get it. I can see that the Bible is real. I can see that Jesus was really a man who walked on earth. I can see that Jesus was really God by the way, that, like by what he did and how he you know, carried out miracles and by dying on the cross and I can see that he did that to rescue people from this like I, you know I could I could tell you the full gospel I was like I get it it makes sense on board totally didn't like some of the still didn't like some of the side issues but I was like if these things are true I can kind of reconcile that later like I can work on I can work that stuff out because mm. this is really important if this is true but I still wasn't a Christian and that's a really interesting part <laughs> because I got to this point where I was like that's awesome but I don't want to be in heaven because 
I don't really get why I'd want to spend time, that much time with God. Like, <laughs> if that's all we're doing is right. hanging out with God, like, that doesn't appeal to me particularly. Um, and all the people I love are not going to be there. Mm-hmm. So that's not, that's not a great thing. Mm-hmm. I'm not keen on that. So that was a, an interesting place to sit as well. So I sat there for a good few months. And in the midst of that, Lee is now maturing in his faith. He's getting to the point where he's being really convicted about our relationship. So we spent a year... When he first moved to England, he found his own apartment and I was living in a share house because I'd already organised that before we started dating, I think. And very quickly I moved into where he was living just because we were sort of there all the time anyway and it sort of made sense and we weren't paying two months of rent and we sort of very quickly combined our lives and almost were living as if we were married. Um, And so by the end of that year, we then found another place and because it was a student accommodation, so you kind of get a year's lease and then you have to move out and find the next place. So I, we'd, we'd decided to, yeah, rent another place and we'd got this place and we'd just moved in and, um, he was getting more and more convicted about our relationship and where we were at and that he shouldn't really be with me and he certainly shouldn't be living with me and, you know, all of these things. So he had then gone to his, our student pastor, who was actually a missionary from Australia <laughs> to Hull, to the <laughs> northeast of England. Okay. He's a guy we're still good friends with now, um, who lives in Tasmania, hmm. and said to him, oh, I, I need to break up with Cathra and I'm going to need you to hold me accountable because I'm not going to do it otherwise. And so he said, yep, okay, I can do that. That's going to be really hard, but yep, that's fine. Um, and <laughs> ironically, the next day we went to Ikea to buy new things for our house. <laughs> <As you do. laughs> and we're in my little car that's been stolen lots. And so one of the things about the car when it got stolen was the radio wasn't working or it had been stolen or I don't know, whatever. And anyway, we couldn't listen to music. Yep. So we were singing. And so we're on the way back from Ikea singing and we started singing Amazing Grace. And as we're singing Amazing Grace, like that's a song I've known forever. Mm. You know, everybody kind of does really, I suppose, even if you're not a Christian. And it was the first time the words meant anything to me. It was the first time it made sense. Like I just went, oh, I get it. I get grace. I understand what God has done in my life. I understand like or hadn't done in my life at that moment, but could if I accepted it, you know, and I was like, I get it. And if I get it, and like just this rush of adrenaline the whole way through my body, like if I get this, I've got to do something about it. Like I can't just know it, understand it, and then just be like, Mm -hmm. carry on living as I'm living. So I just felt so convicted in that drive home that I was like, this is it, I've got to do something. And so I went home and I prayed and said to Lee, I think I've become a Christian. Like I've just prayed this prayer. And Lee was just like, what? Yes, don't have to break up with her. (laughs) Well, no, you would think that's his reaction. His reaction was, what do you mean? (laughs) (laughs) And I think he'd psyched himself up so much that he was going to have to, that he had sort of, he thought that either somebody had told me or like I was just saying it or I don't know what. Anyway, it wasn't kind of the reaction I was hoping for, but he was (laughs) like, what do you mean you become a Christian? What? (laughs) It's not possible. What happened between yesterday and today? I'm like, well, God, I guess, the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit. (laughs) (laughs) It was not not me, clearly, because for the last year I've been fighting this thing. Yeah. Um, Yeah. So anyway. We reconciled that one, <laughs> worked through it. He then told me that he was about to break up with me. Wasn't massively impressed mm. with that. It's quite sad. Um, but, you know, we, we worked through those things. Yep. Um, yeah, and I guess that was the start of my faith journey. Was it um, 
you're saying that it took you quite a while, like a year, yeah. to be thinking about it, asking all the questions. What about when you, and then you just said when you became a Christian, was it like a real, like, quick switch over for you after that? Because you'd worked through so many things that you I disagreed think, with? Yes. Hmm. I think it was. I think God gave me a real peace about the stuff that I still didn't like, if that makes sense. Yeah. So there's a bunch of stuff I still didn't really like, still yeah, didn't, didn't really agree with, or, agree with mm-hmm. or fully get, but I was kind of okay with that because I got that God was good and I got that God was more wise than me and was in control and mm. all of those things and sort of grasped him and his character and so some of those side issues did become side issues like I kind of went oh, I you know yeah I want to maybe I want to dig into that but I don't have to do it now like that's not the most important mm. thing and you said as the under, the understanding of gra- his grace mm. and then being saved mm. to those two things working together kind of like oh that the importance to you of that mm. wasn't as high yeah once you became a Christian yeah totally mm. yeah mm. yeah his grace became the thing that I was like, oh, I, I, I get it. I mm. understand him. Like, I understand who he is now. That whole thing of not wanting to be in heaven with him was because I didn't have a relationship with him. Why would you want to be in a relationship, in yeah. somewhere with somebody you don't have a relationship with? Like, it right. didn't make sense to me at that moment because I wasn't in a relationship with him. But once I was in a relationship with him, of course I want to be with him, mm. <laughs> you know. It's really cool um, hearing that story because it, it, it's probably unique to the stories that we've had probably on the Chip Lunch mm. podcast. And I, and I say they were saying everyone's story is unique, but yeah. it's more of like, did I grow up in a Christian or non-Christian household? And then uh, a lot of us became Christians when we were in our teenage years. So yeah. um, Lewis has been on the podcast and he became Christian when he was going to uni as well. Yeah. Consequently, or incidentally, whatever the, <laughs> whatever the right segue word there is, what were you doing at uni? I was doing sociology, anthropology and gender studies. Oh, so that might may have <laughs> helped you, <laughs> made you question the logical understanding of being a Christian as well. Yeah, a lot of it, yeah. And was that because you were kind of inspired to do that because you're mum? Um, I mean, I guess, she, obviously, she's influenced me in my life in lots of ways. Mm. I wouldn't have said consciously it was like I'm influenced by my mum, therefore I want to do it. Mm. It just was something that really appealed to me. So when I was doing my A-levels... Um, I don't know if it's still the same now, but when I was doing it, you picked three subjects. So that was sort of 16 to 18. And so I did maths, English and sociology. And I really enjoyed sociology. And I was like, that's... And I think I did maths and English at the time because when I was... So when I was at school, I wanted to be a vet. So when I was doing my GCSEs, which was like year year 10 and 11, I guess. No, year 9 and 10 here. Year sort of school levels. Yeah, year 9 and 10. What's what's the the next one? A-levels. A-levels is next, which is your HSC. So it's GCSEs in the UK is really significant. Like year nine and ten here is like not – I don't feel like it's that big a deal. It's really significant there and you pick a lot of subjects and you kind of have to get certain grades to be allowed to go on to do your A-levels and that kind of thing. So it's quite important. Mm. So that was like the big deal back then. I mean, A-levels was important too, but it felt different because it was only three subjects, whereas that was like – I think I did 12 subjects. Um, so I chose all science subjects because I wanted to be a vet. So I did all these separate sciences. And Anyway, I think by the time I was 16 and I'd done all of that for two years, I was like, I'm so over science. I don't want to do this anymore. <laughs> I can't possibly imagine going doing my A-levels and doing three more <coughs> science subjects. So well, yeah. I basically totally changed tack and went, oh, I, yeah, I mean, I, I loved animals and stuff and I'd done lots of work experience in vets and things like that. And I was like, 
that would be really cool, but it was just, I wasn't that passionate about it anymore. Mm. So yeah, I went down that route and I think I was just intrigued by people more mm. by that point. And so sociology was something that I guess. And for those, <coughs> those, those sociology, I mean, in Australia, it's probably HSIE, is it? You know, um, what is it? What I don't is it? What oh, is. history, society. No, so sociology is like a separate subject in and of itself. Okay. It's not. It wouldn't be history. It's more looking at how. I mean, it includes elements of history, but it more is the way that societies work. So how groups of people live and work together and do things. Yep. Um, so it might look at the way you change the education system to help people in a particular way or you might look at I don't know health or prisons or like all sorts of different things but mm. the way you form society to kind of, I, guess. Kind of I need it <coughs> excuse me <laughs> <laughs> yeah. um kind of like how society operates together yeah, and there's right. things you put in place to make that yes work. and if you do something what impact does that have yeah on society so like you so know you could look like the long-term this is just something random, but the long-term effects of having uh, like a, what's called, like a, not socialised medicine, but like a, uh, uh, like Medicare, for example. Yes, a health system like the NHS in the UK. Yeah. Yes, NHS, yeah. that's what it's called in yeah. the UK. Yeah, so that kind of thing, or I mean, I bet there'll be loads of sociology studies done on COVID and the impact oh, of isolation yes. and that kind of stuff. Definitely. Yeah. Um, mm. Yeah. So I found that really intriguing and interesting. And social anthropology, which is what I did, that's... A bit like that, but it's looking at different cultures. And so you might go to a tribe in the middle of the Amazon jungle and look at the way that they construct mm. gender in their tribe yep. and what do we learn about people from that and does that then impact the way that we think about gender in yep. our world because it's different because they've, you know. And so anthropologists generally go and live with people for a period of time, like quite a long time, to mm. understand their society fully mm -hmm. and to then really experience what it's like to be part of their society and then how we can understand people better is the gist. Is that something you were thinking about doing? Living? I don't know that I... I mean, I definitely loved... And I love different cultures. So we did a lot of travelling. Um, so when I was 18, I travelled through New Zealand and yeah. then Australia and Thailand. Um, and that was really interesting. And then I was inspired to travel more. So when we, after we got married, jumping forward slightly, we moved to Australia, like literally the next day. <laughs> Poor parents, I feel so awful. <laughs> now I think about it and I've got my own children. I'm like, what was I doing? <laughs> but at the time it was like, oh, this is fun. Who cares? But, yeah, that's right. <laughs> Just go do it. Um, and on the way we travelled through like India and um, Nepal and Vietnam, oh, is that Cambodia kind of your and Thailand. And, yeah, that was our honeymoon. Mm. We backpacked through mm. Asia and arrived in Australia, basically. But <laughs> all of, I just, I mean, yes, I was very much interested by different cultures and people and the way that different cultures worked. And interestingly, anthropologists are generally very anti-missionaries mm. because missionaries go in and try to change, change culture, the culture, whereas mm. an anthropologist, the whole point of them is going in to understand it but not to change anything to like really assimilate with the way that they do stuff and to just become part of what they're doing yes. while they understand it so as I'm doing my course and going through becoming a Christian at the same time I've got anti-missionary stuff happening in one subject I've got gender studies which is obviously very much we I mean we had 
lots of transvestites and things in our course and transsexuals and lots of gay people and that kind of thing. So, like, you've got this, you've got that, and, you know, Christians are awful and bad and terrible because of all that they're doing in this world, and yeah. then you've got the anthropology stuff and missionaries are terrible and bad because of all they're doing. Sociology less so, but mm. <laughs> that was kind of my, my what I was being taught mm. as I'm going through this process of becoming a Christian. So then the next year was interesting. Because I was going to say, so like <laughs> once you became a Christian, there's like was there a real noticeable change and how was your response to that, what your uni degree that what you were doing? Yeah. Um, I think the most noticeable change was my alcohol consumption. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I had to, and I think I've, I mean, I don't think anybody told me you need to drink less. I think I just felt convicted by it. I mean, probably mm. conversations I'd had with Lee and probably even in the year leading up to that. I'd probably gone out and got drunk less because mm. I was living a slightly different life because I was, you know, hanging out with Christians a lot more and with Lee, but I would still go out with my workmates. I worked at a rock climbing wall and okay. um, was a, like an, a rock climbing instructor. And so we'd, we'd go out and party and things and my uni friends that weren't from the from church, that's a lot of what we did. So um, It's also the culture and... That's very much the culture. Well, and of, I mean, that was my my experience of what you did with your friends from when I was 15, mm-hmm. maybe, probably. Like, mm-hmm. that's just all we did. Mm-hmm. So, um, yeah, so that, that was very normal for me. And I remember still after I became a Christian going out and probably getting a bit too drunk a few times. And so, but then feeling kind of convicted and more probably convicted by my behaviour while I was drunk if that makes any sense mm. and so then I was like oh I don't really want to do those things so I probably need to not it's kind of, I mean I mean I don't want to get too theological yeah. based but it's kind of what the bible says is like yeah. don't get drunk because yeah of the consequences totally mm. yeah it's and it's, and that's what I try and say to my kids now I'm like you know I think it's le- it's you know yes you don't want to get drunk because you don't want to get drunk but realistically if you get drunk and you fall asleep then it's like it's not that major consequences you get drunk and you go out with your friends and then you're doing stuff that you don't have the same self control yep. and the other people that you're around don't have the same self control and you're going to do some dumb stuff that you really regret and it's going to impact you for the rest of your life and so that's not wise you know we've mum and dad have both been there both done those things and we'd really rather mm-hmm. you didn't now obviously they're going to make their choices and sometimes certain types of people need to learn through their own mistakes and that's okay I understand that I'm one of them um, but uh yeah obviously as a parent want to save your kids from as much heartache yeah. as possible and yeah. some of that stuff still impacts Lee and I to this day and it's like you, it'd be nice to save them from some of that mm, yeah. yeah that makes a lot of sense I mean that's what you meant to do as a parent as well yeah totally <laughs> uh just we'll get back to the question mm. gosh my voice is funny um so when you became a Christian, mm. what was it, how was life different mm. in that last, yeah. does it last year of uni? Yeah, basically? the last year of uni. So yeah, so definitely <coughs> drank less, swore less. That was interesting. That mm-hmm. came out pretty quick. Well, I still struggled <laughs> with that at times. I'd love to see but the swearing, Catherine. I haven't seen <laughs> it yet. I might just try and annoy you <laughs> and upset you enough to get you to do that. No, <laughs> no. No, no, you don't no, want to see that. No, <laughs> okay, so um, there are two I can, I can two demo it, but it would be, it would be very <laughs> Not right now. I'll, I'll wait till later when we're not recording. Uh, I'd probably, my accent would probably come back out again Yes, well. that's why I want to do it. <laughs> um, yeah, so that those two, they, they were there. I think they were the really clear things. But also, you know, I really wanted to grow. I felt like I had this really kind of desire to grow heaps in my faith. Because you finally made this decision. Yeah. And now you're yeah. like, well, let's go. Yeah, totally. And it was this like amazing opportunity. It was really interesting. So 
I think I became a Christian just at the start of the summer holidays. So that year I'd been going to the uni group and I'd been going to church maybe twice sometimes. I'd been going to the after the church, like mm. coffee shop thing. Um, and then, yeah, and then the summer holidays hit and I be- I'd just become a Christian. And then like apart from church, everything had stopped. And I was like, oh, I feel like I need all of this input and it's not here. Like oh, I haven't gotten this. Wow. Yeah. And I remember reading my Bible and... I remember hearing, as in that year leading up to being Christian, a lot of people, a lot of Christians talking about how much they struggle to, you know, read their Bible every day and that kind of thing. And I was like, why would you struggle to do this? This is amazing. This is so interesting. And like, (laughs) I just wanted to spend all this time reading the Bible Mm. Um, and couldn't kind of get my head around. I was like, you know, note to self, don't ever get to that point where you don't want to read the Bible. Like, just Mm. make this a thing that you do every day because it's so important. Um... Yeah, so I think, and then I remember there's like a, about a month in this point of being like, oh, am I a Christian? Like, has anything actually changed? Is my life any different? I don't feel any different. You know, that kind of thing where I was like, I don't know where I'm at fully. And like it, just having those doubts. And I guess that was like now I'd say that's the devil just kind of put, putting those seeds of doubt in there mm. to quest, make me question. And I didn't have like, like I was saying, you know, I'd had all this sort of, constant multiple times a week input from people and it wasn't there at that point um i remember having a conversation with lee about it and him just saying no no you're a christian like you Mm. just you've got to keep stepping on like that's just how it is it's just sometimes Uh, it doesn't makes me think of like the parable of the is a parable of the seed Mm, mm -hmm. and you know like some people Mm. fall on rocky ground and said like you were the the one you know grew grew up really fast but then Mm. it was like almost like a decision point of like oh am i Mm. actually going to be in this for the Mm. long haul when yeah. it got difficult. And I don't feel like it was a decision so much as just a seed of doubt as to whether what had happened had really happened. Was yep. I actually a Christian? Uh, or yeah, was okay. I just kind of making that up? Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like it was mm-hmm. more that. It wasn't that I was deciding to potentially turn away from God. Um, but yeah, so then I really got stuck into everything that year. Like I had a, a really good friend who was sort of student worker at the church, um, mentored me one-on-one each week Mm. and went to a thing on a Tuesday afternoon that was like a kind of theology course type thing and was serving in the kids ministry and I don't know like I just and I even that was awesome because I was like I've got to read all these I've got to learn these stories so you'll teach them to the kids and I remember reading about Joseph for the first time and being blown away by it and like telling it to Lee like as if it was this really exciting thing and he was like yeah I know (laughs) (laughs) I know the story I was like but isn't it amazing all this stuff happened um, (laughs) uh, so that was really cool so yeah I feel like it was a lot of growth that year um but then, yeah, I remember sitting in uni and being like, I'm this a Christian in one of my classes. I don't think I'd realised she was a Christian up until that point. I remember just like cringing because she was like standing up for what she believed, but feeling like, oh my goodness, don't say that in this room. You're going to get crucified. Mm. And, and she didn't necessarily do it the most tactfully. And I can't remember what the concept, I don't, I, I don't think it was that bad, but I just remember sitting there shrinking, just being like, oh my goodness, I could never do that. Mm. Um, yeah, and I think in many ways, I think I just 
started to think more critically about what I was being taught and kind of going, okay, so you're saying missionaries are awful and terrible for doing these things and maybe those missionaries messed up and maybe, you know, they did that or whatever. And also but also understanding of sin. Yes, as well. totally. Simple, yeah. 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 And, but that doesn't necessarily mean that all missionaries are bad and terrible mm -hmm. and awful or that they're out to do something awful, you know. Um, and then towards the end of that year, Lee, um, so when I'd met him, he'd been, he'd run a short-term mission trip to Thailand. He'd previously been on it, one to India. And then we were together kind of going, wouldn't it be awesome to get this group of uni students at this church mm -hmm. to go on a short-term mission trip? So the organisation that he'd run those, that through was called Exodus and they were based in Northern Ireland um, and they basically ran like a discipleship program where you, they had like a youth base, they, they called it, um, and it was a place where young Christians could just go hang out, they'd have music, it's kind of like youth group I guess, but for like sort of older than school age, yep. you know. Um, and then as they were there, they'd do this sort of discipleship program and that would culminate in these short-term mission trips. Mm -hmm. And so a lot of it was based around this one particular place in Northern Ireland where they would come to and gather. And so Lee got in touch with them and said, do you ever, have you done that outside of that? Like, could we do this in England through you? But like, you know, can we make that work? And so, um, so yeah, we got that happening. I mean, I say we, he at that point, but I was doing it with him kind of, mm. mostly him. Um, yeah, so he he started running this trip to, we ended up going to Romania, mm. which was really cool, yeah. really interesting. Um, and so he gathered a group of people from our church and ran the discipleship course. Um, I was, I guess at that time, so this was sort of from January through to July at the same time. We went in July, we got married in August. Mm -hmm. We left the country the next day. <laughs> so all of this was like, we're doing this short-term mission trip. I was finishing my final year uni. Um, we were planning emigration to Australia, so we had to fill out all of our forms and do all of our things and pack boxes and anyway, a lot of stuff going on, but I feel like it's sort of a taste of the rest of our life. <laughs> if yeah. I think about it, I'm like, I don't know that we've really done it much differently from there on in, really. We just, yeah, I guess like to do lots, yep. <laughs> but that's a good thing. Yep. Um, yeah, so he, so he started gathering this team of people together, which was really cool. And um, we did that. So that, I guess, at that point, I was becoming the missionary. So I was having to, I guess, understand it from a different perspective. But what was really awesome about that was part of that discipleship was learning how to share your testimony, learning how to kind of get in and just be with people and be, come alongside people where mm. they're at, um, how to teach kids in a like kids club, like a bunch of different things you might do on short-term mission. So that was really cool. Um, yeah, and then we got married and left. <laughs> <laughs> we're out of here. Um, we're out of here. <laughs> yeah. Are you, were you excited to move to Australia? Yeah, I mean, I think at the time I was like, yeah, sure, why not? Let's go. Like he was really like, this is where I need to be. I definitely feel like that's, that's where I felt most comfortable. I feel like that's where God's calling me back to. I feel like I could be most used there. Mm. We both felt this desire to do overseas mission. Um, and so we sort of felt like we would come here, base ourselves here. So Lee could, we could get um, permanent residency because Lee was a nurse. So we got that quite easily, actually, okay. at the time, which was which was good. It's definitely helpful. It's, yeah. And it's hard. I think it's harder now. Mm. Back at, back back 
then, however long that was. That was 2005, so that's like 18 years ago. Um, yeah, so we felt like we'd kind of come, we'd make it a base, we'd maybe end up somewhere else in the world, we weren't quite sure where. And we're like, well, we can always just go home, like it's not hard, like yeah. we just jump on a plane, you know, we just got around the world, well, not around the world. We got an Australia ticket, but stopped like multiple stop offs. Mm. Um, yeah, so it didn't seem like a big deal at the time. And that's where I think we were a bit blase about it. And that's where I, now I'm like, oh, my poor parents. Like, they, they knew. I remember my dad saying to me, as we were in the car park the morning after the wedding, and I was jumping in the car to go to the airport, and he was, he lived in France at the time, so he still lives in France now. Um, so he was sort of on his way to the airport, and I was on my way to the airport. And he said, I said, oh, I'll see you, Dad. Like, see you soon. And he went, no, you're not going to. And I went, oh. Like, you know, like, see you at some point soon-ish. And he was like, no, no, like, you actually really It'll need to It'll be like know. a year at least. It's yeah. going to be a long time. And I was like, oh, okay. And I think it was just this moment of, yeah, I know that. And I was trying to be sort of, I don't know, not think about it, just be super positive. And he wanted me to get the reality of, you do realise what you're doing. <laughs> know what you've done. No, <laughs> that's right. Not in a, like, not in a mean way, just like, no, but don't be too, you know, you go lucky about the whole thing. Mm. Um, yeah. And then so you moved to Australia. So we moved to Australia. So did you have a plan? Were you able to get a job? Both of <laughs> you guys were able to get a job and stuff? <laughs> yeah, see, I was a bit trickier. <coughs> so my degree didn't really get me a job as such. Yeah. I thought in the UK I could have done like an apprenticeship in social work. So I could have just basically gone on to work in social work and get sort of paid along the way and train up as I went. But when I got here, I looked into it and it was like another four year undergrad. And I was like, I've just done three years of uni. Mm. I don't want to do another four. Mm. And it would have cost me a lot of money because we weren't um, eligible for Centrelink and Oz study and all that kind of stuff at that yep. point. So that was like, oh, I won't do that. So um, I just got a job waitressing. And then I taught scripture one day a week because I could. So I did. You live, did you move to the show? So, yeah, we moved straight. Well, we moved in with Lee's aunt and uncle in Engadine at yeah. first. And we were there for a couple of months. Or maybe not even, maybe a month. I can't remember. Mm -hmm. Got a unit in Cronulla, mm -hmm, nice. which was really nice and cheap as chips. Especially coming like, mm -hmm. so we were living in Hull, which, as we've said, is not the best place in the world. Worst and we, place ever. The worst <laughs> place ever. We were paying for our old, very old, two-bed unit on Gunnamatta Bay, like literally on Tonkin Street, overlooking yeah. the ferry wharf to Bundina. Yeah, I know what you mean, yeah. We were in a little two-bed unit there and we were paying the same amount we paid for our two-bed unit in Hull. Yep. So for us, it was like, this is amazing. Is that that random unit building that's just there on its own? It's, no, that is not the one right next to Tonkin. Do you mean the one right next to Tonkin Oval? Yeah. Yeah, it's not that. It's literally the other side of the, like, other side of the street from that. So if you were walking down the street to the ferry, it's the one just to the left. It's like the red brick building right there. Yeah. And we could watch the sunset every night over Gunnamatta oh, Bay. Oh, like in it Thailand. Was like, it was like in Thailand. <laughs> Did you watch it all the baseball before. being played there? No, not okay. so much. We could not from the side of the building we were on. We couldn't see. Okay. But I would, I mean, I did, honestly, when we first got here, I was like, this is heaven. No, I would really? go and I would waitress all day and I'd go home and I'd have a swim in Gunnamatta and float and just be like, like Lee was nursing, so he was working a lot of shifts. So, I mean, I say it was in heaven. It was lonely. Like I had a really lonely couple of years, I would say, mm. because, um, yeah, he had a lot of people he knew from when he was here first, before. Yeah. He mm. had this big group of friends and they were all hanging out all the time and stuff. And this is now three years later. And so some of them were still hanging out, but they were all three years older. They weren't at uni anymore. They were working and things. And so there wasn't that same kind of just everybody hanging out all the time, doing yep. their same thing. Yep. Um, 
And the church we went to was beautiful family church. Like it was like having family and that was really nice. So it was Lee's uncle's church in Engadine. Um, but there wasn't many people our age or any people our age. There was people older that had kids and there was people younger still at uni, but we were sort of in this, I mean, in some ways it doesn't matter and it didn't matter. And we still made friends there that we still got beautiful friends there today. But like I say, it, it felt like family and that was really special. But I didn't have people my age. I, could, mm. I didn't feel like I had a friend. <laughs> well, <laughs> to yeah, put it that so you've way. Move over here where you don't know anyone. When Lee yeah. did, he at least knew some people. And, yeah, mm. and and he was busy and you know like working. And I think we like in hindsight, I think we could have done a better job of investing in friendships at that moment. I think we sort of hoped it would we would just get sort of sort of brought into whatever was happening. And I think that happened a little bit, mm. but. Um, it didn't happen probably as much as we maybe hoped or thought it might or whatever, but I think we we also didn't make that much effort to invite people the other way. And I think that's something I've worked out over the years. It's really important. Yeah. If you want to be friends with somebody, you have to actually make a two-way effort. Yeah. You can't just hope that you're going to get, you know, pulled in along with the crowd. Yeah, that's interesting. Like, it's interesting that we see friendship as different, like even in a... A romantic relationship you've mm. got to put in effort yeah both totally. sides. it's the same with friendship yeah that's well. right that's right and I think I was a bit insecure in that I didn't want to impose on people I didn't want people to think that they sort of had to include oh, that English me, girl is yeah well, that's yeah, right yeah, oh, yeah. maybe we should you know so I think I didn't put myself out there as much as I probably could have done um so yeah so there was lots of lovely things about that time but mm. lots of hard things too and I, so I waitressed for the first year and did a, like a counselling course on the side, which I really enjoyed. I just, it was just like, um, what do you call it when you just do it at home yourself? It wasn't online because it was pre-online. Uh, it was like in an actual workbook. Like distance. But distance learning. Mm. It was just distance learning and I'd occasionally go in for like a, a face-to-face session, but most of it was distance learning, um, which was good. I didn't finish it because I started having babies. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So I've still got this half done counselling course. Mm. Um, yeah, so I did that and then I, I worked in a dental surgery for about a year and then Josh was born. Mm-hmm. And then about that time, Lee started, moved away from nursing and became the youth pastor at Engadine Congregational Church, which okay. is where we had been going. Right. Uh, that was, he had like, contact dermatitis from wearing gloves and washing his hands all the time. So he was on workers' compensation for that and was work doing like some admin job in the hospital, which was so not his <laughs> thing at all. Okay. It was awful. <laughs> it's like really horrible. And this youth job came up at our church and somebody tapped him on the shoulder and said, I think you'd be really good and you should apply for this. And mm. he went, oh, okay, maybe that's, that's God's way of sort of pushing me into it. So like we'd arrived, like I'd said, thinking, oh, we'll go and do overseas mission stuff. We'd gone to this missions conference up at Katoomba a couple of times and every time we'd gone, I was super inspired to, to go and to just to be a missionary. And um, But I don't know, for whatever reason, we hadn't got to that place yet. And I think we were like, oh, we need to go to Bible college first. And that, which obviously is an important thing, <laughs> part of the journey to becoming missionaries. Mm-hmm. Um, and I don't know why we hadn't. We just hadn't. We just hadn't. I mean, we don't, I'm only talking two years into being in Australia. We'd gone to an open day at SNBC, I'm pretty sure. And I was like, oh, we should do this. And But for me, if I think about it now, I'm like, that was, I reckon, a community thing. It was like, I want to be part of that community because I'm lonely. 
And yes, I want to grow in my love and knowledge of God, but I want to be part of that community. I just yeah. want to move away from here and be like put in a place where there's people around me all the time who want to be my friend. Yeah. <laughs> um, Here's a question that we always yeah, ask, often okay. ask is, are you an introvert or extrovert? Yeah, Total introvert. introvert. Yeah. Oh, introvert? Yeah. <laughs> but you want to see <laughs> people all the time. Oh, all right. It's, it's interesting. So I, I'm definitely an introvert and Lee's definitely an extrovert, mm-hmm. but... Because he's so extroverted, he needs more time away from people. Oh, okay. Not like more, more than me, as in if he's in a room full of people, he has to go and talk to everybody. He has to make sure he's, everybody feels like they've, you know, they're okay and like mm. he needs to have those conversations and deep conversations. Whereas I can quite happily sit in a room full of people quietly, don't have to have a conversation, I'm all good, it's fine. But if I'm just by myself all the time, I go crazy. But that first year of being here, I was by myself like yeah. all the time. Yeah. <laughs> so I would go slightly stir crazy. So I need I need friendships. I need to be around people. Um, but I love being by myself too. Um, I travelled by myself for a year. Yeah, that's like impressive. The, which I don't. I mean, maybe you can do as an extrovert because I guess you just find lots of people mm. along the way. But I was totally happy yeah. to do that. Because I'm like, I don't even like being at home one night on my own. Yes, I love it. <laughs> I love it. Is that because you have four children? Probably. <laughs> you mentioned Josh though. I was thought yeah. like that's a good time to like tell us about yeah. you, tell us about your children. So I've got Josh who's fifteen. Mm-hmm. Seems crazy. Grace <laughs> is twelve. She's very nearly thirteen. She'll be thirteen next month. Mm-hmm. Um, Sophia is eleven. Ava is nine. Sophia's eleven. Ava is nine. Yeah. So nine, eleven, thirteen, fifteen, nearly. Yeah. All kind Just of like all about years, to have that. They're literally two years, but their birthdays <laughs> fall between April and July. Oh, do they? Yeah. And we're, the, we're in birthday season. I've nearly, we've nearly made it out the other side. We've only got one more to go. <laughs> Breathe a sigh of relief once we get That's past birthday funny. season. As, um, it's, it's like intense. the, um, you may have, may, may not, because I know you haven't been coming to church that, mm. so sorry about for that long, but um, the, the cousins, their kids are all between, their birth dates are all between Christmas and New Year. <gasps> That's yeah. intense. Now that, yeah, and that's Christmas too. So my birthday's Boxing Day. Oh yes. So okay. it's like the day after Christmas. So it's like either we've got this crazy birthday season, and then there's Christmas Day and me. <laughs> so oh. Lee falls in that April to July as well. Oh goodness. Yeah. So like my family, all their like my mum, dad, and sister, they're all born in July. Yeah. Wow. And I'm in October. Because <laughs> the, the black sheep of the family. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So how do? Yeah. Sorry. Tell me about. That's something I like to ask everyone that's a parent is. Hmm. What has God taught you about being a mum? Mm. <laughs> what has God taught me about being a mum? Lots. <laughs> I think when... Kira Lee said the same thing <laughs> on, the, on the podcast last week. <laughs> I think when I was pregnant with Josh, I was very much like, I'm going to do this so well. I am going to smash the parenting thing. I'm going to read all the books. I'm going to do the pregnancy thing, I'm going to have the like natural birth, I'm going to do all the stuff. going to be the, you know, he's going to be eating all the right things. Anyway, the list goes on of all the things that I was going to do well. And, you know, did, did fairly well at that when I'd got one small baby who I could really control. <laughs> yeah. um, and he was like, he was a relatively easy baby. He wasn't a screamer. He slept None of my kids slept amazingly, but he wasn't terrible, you know. Um, Then when he was about nine months old, I think, um, we thought, oh, yeah, we could try for another. Like, don't mind having them close together. 
just get it all out of the way, done with. <laughs> um, and I became pregnant and then had an ectopic pregnancy. So that's where the baby starts growing in the fallopian tube. Oh, so yeah. I actually didn't realise I was pregnant at the time. I just had severe pain in my stomach and Ooh, was like, that would be bizarre. Mm. Don't know what's going on. Passed out a couple of times. Um, then <laughs> didn't go to the hospital. Probably <laughs> that's the bad thing about having a husband as a nurse is you just like... He knows what to do. (laughs) So my mum happened to be here at the time. She was out visiting us. And the next day I was like, oh, I've got this really weird pain in my shoulder. But because I'd passed out the day before, I'd fallen on the floor. So I was like, maybe I've just damaged my shoulder when I fell. Anyway, I was telling Lee, this pain in my shoulder. And like my whole my abdomen just feels really tender. He's like, oh, you know, pain in your shoulder can be referred pain from internal bleeding. <laughs> I was like, oh, okay. It's like, does it feel like you're bruised? And I was like, yeah, I just generally feel like bruising in my stomach. And anyway, went to the doctor and they're like, okay, straight to emergency, <laughs> off oh, you go. Really? And then straight to emer- emergency surgery. So, um, yeah, it like actually burst the fallopian tube, which oh, is the dangerous part of the wow. ectopic pregnancy. So as it's growing in there, if they can get in and sort of, take it out it's not so bad but if it bursts it's it can be well it's internal bleeding so it's not mm. good um so that wasn't great and I think that kind of gave me this first sense of lack of control you know that sense of actually it's not all in my hands <laughs> it's actually holding mm. God's hands mm-hmm. um and then we tried for a baby again pretty quickly and I became pregnant again quite quickly and I had a really early scan because I was like I just want to make sure it's in the right place we were also got on our way to the UK, my dad was getting married. Um, so this was his third marriage. So we were on our way to, well, France actually, for his, for his wedding. Um, so I wanted to check before we got on the plane. Anyway, did that, baby was growing in the right place, all good. Went to the UK, had a really nice time with family, came back, got really, really bad food poisoning on the plane on the way oh, home. Like on the plane? On the, in the, I think it was, well, we stopped for a week in Thailand and it was in Bangkok airport, I ate. Thai food in Bangkok airport, but mm-hmm. I could, t- like, when I was eating it, I was like, oh, this doesn't taste good. But I had quite bad morning sickness. So I was like, oh, maybe I'm just feeling really, like, it tastes a bit weird a bit just because I'm off. Mm-hmm. And then I was like, oh, I'm really feeling bad. And <laughs> then I was really bad. Like, I just was very sick the whole way home. Um, and about three or four weeks later, went for a first midwife appointment and um, there was no heartbeat. Mm. And so I think... But this, the age of the baby was like the, exactly the point at which we'd have been on that flight home. So I think the food poisoning thing probably mm-hmm. was what didn't. Yeah. I mean, everyone wants to find a reason why. That's my reason why. The doctors the, are always the logical like, like the logical thinking, thing. That's yeah. right. The doctors were like, we can never know. Like, yeah. Okay, I guess. But at the same time, in my head, that's what's happened. Um, so yeah, so that was really hard because the, yeah. the ectopic was scary, but it wasn't as emotional because I didn't know I was pregnant. Whereas this baby... I'd were. known for a good few months. Yeah. Um, and so that was really, really difficult um, and really hard to sort of, I guess, come to terms with and to just sort of process. Yeah, that sort mm. of real grief of losing a, a baby. Um, and it was early days, you know, and things. But I think, I think it's probably something that we don't talk about enough in terms of yeah. life. <laughs> uh, a lot of people experience miscarriage and I think a lot of people... Don't, I mean, a lot of people don't tell people they're pregnant until after 12 weeks in case yeah. they lose a baby. I'm yeah. like, that doesn't make sense to me. And I know I, 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 mm. everybody makes their own choices, but for me, I'm like, 
we told our whole church because we were like, we want you to be praying for us. And if I have a miscarriage, I want you to know about it. I want you to know why I'm sad and grieving. And I want you to be there to come and give me a hug and <laughs> bring food over, you know. If I haven't told you that I'm pregnant and I have a miscarriage, well then, um, is that because I'm not supposed to say I've had a miscarriage? I don't know. I don't understand. It doesn't make sense to me, the whole not saying before you're 12 weeks. So yeah, that's not what we've done. We've told people kind of pretty much straight away. And... Um, yeah, and the church rallied around us. And mm. then I think within a few days I was at a conference. I can't remember what conference it was. Uh, maybe a ministry wives conference or something at that, at that point. And, um, yeah, and the people that I was there with were there very much to love and hold me as I went to that conference. And I remember singing songs come up a lot. <laughs> I think that's where my emotions connect is in songs. Okay. Um, we were singing the song that's got the bridge, you give and take away. You give and take oh, away. Um, my heart will choose to say, Lord, blessed be your name. Blessed be the blessed name of the Lord. Name. There you go, mm. that one. And I just sobbed and sobbed mm. and sobbed because I had to kind of make a choice. Like, does my heart choose to say, blessed be your name, even though you've taken away my baby, you know? Like, I'm. can I sing that in this moment? And yeah, I could. Like, I could sing that and say that and be convicted of that and... It's a good kind of, I think songs are a good way of ministering to yourself as well. <laughs> yeah, Does that okay. make sense? Because yeah, yeah. you kind of like, am I, am I going to well, choose I'm, to well, sing It's because you're like, you're, yeah, you're singing it, you're choosing, yeah, sorry, I'm saying choice. exactly what you're saying, yeah. but you're choosing to sing something. Actually, if you choose to sing something, you're probably, especially if it's a song at church, you're saying, I believe this. Yeah, yeah. And then it's challenging you, do you actually believe it? Yeah, totally, mm. yeah. So, anyway, so yes. So then, so that was, I guess, the next step in my, yeah, I'm really not in control of this parenting yeah. journey thing. Yeah. Um, we then were very blessed with Gracie, baby Grace. I didn't enjoy that pregnancy at all. I felt really anxious the whole time. Oh, because of... Yeah, yeah and, I, um, and I mean, I had low iron and I had a toddler who decided he wasn't going to sleep, even though he'd been a pretty good sleeper. And, and he was quite an intense toddler. We worked out at age 13 that he's got ADHD took us till he was 13 to work that out, but yeah. a toddler with ADHD is hard work. Mm. Um, and I mean, he's a beautiful, <laughs> sweet, gorgeous boy. I love him to pieces, but he was just intense. He would talk all the time, <laughs> nonstop, and literally could not stop talking and asking <laughs> questions. And I mean, I mean this, when he was much older, like he was five, I remember saying to him in the car one day, Josh, I just need you to stop talking for five minutes. Like, mommy just needs five minutes of, of silence because I just can't. Cause As we if spoke I didn't, about introvert. Yes, anything. exactly. Yeah. And, and he, it wasn't that he could just talk and I could ignore him. Like, he needed engagement. And if I didn't respond, it was just, He's you know, frustrated frustration. And, and then it would escalate. So yeah. I'd have to sort of, you know, keep talking. So I was like, just five minutes. And about 10 seconds in, he goes, Mum, I can't hold my breath for that long. <laughs> I was like, darling, talking and breathing are not the same thing. <laughs> I know it feels like it to you because from the moment you're awake, you talk. <laughs> they're not the same thing. <laughs> But oh, I think like the, uh, the things that you've just spoken about there is like uh, on Dan's episode, we talked about like you learn, like we called his episode revealing God's character and we talked about music because mm. he was a musician, um, but also like being parents and how all these tough things that you go through in your life reveals God's character. Mm. And I feel like you've just spoken a number of things about the real um, like Josh saying that thing is just like the real like oh you know that moment as a parent you just go oh, I really am focusing on the wrong thing yeah. sometimes um, but also yeah. like how hard it can be and like 
we've experienced a miscarriage and I know like only one, mm. but I know there's lots of other people who've experienced it way more than me. Yeah. And, um, and I, so I should say us, not just me. Yeah. Um, but, uh, and then sadly some people are unable to have children when they want yeah. to and things like yeah. that. And I think, I think that's what's important about being in a church community. And as you're saying, to share those things is so we can support them regardless. Yeah of what that situation is. Absolutely. So I just like it that you brought those things out of like things that are so hard about being a parent, but also the things that are really lovely mm. and really a real blessing of being yeah. a parent as well. So yeah. that makes makes a lot of sense what you're saying, that's all. Yeah, definitely. I think that's the thing, isn't it? It's like the <laughs> all of our journeys are, are different and challenging in different ways, but um, God is there through it all and he's the he's yeah. the the constant he's the one thing we can know to be true and constant and can rely upon like mm. i couldn't have known at the time was i going to have any more kids is that just going to be josh i don't know but i do know that god's always going to be there i do know that he's always going to love me and he's going to yeah. you know um that he's good and all of those things and so it i think my my parenting journey has taught me to just really rely on god and like really trust him for all things mm. and to know that I can't actually trust myself. I can't like I can I can work really hard and I can still try and be the best mum I can be, <laughs> but I'm gonna get it wrong and I'm not actually in control of these things mm. that are called my children. Isn't the frustrating <laughs> thing though, like I agree with exactly what you're saying, but the frustrating thing is that we have to be reminded that all the time. All the time. Oh. <laughs> All the time, All you're the like, time. why am I so dumb? Yeah, <laughs> why have I not got this How have I not learned it? Yeah, <laughs> My exactly. son is now 15 and I'm still learning. Yeah. <laughs> in a different way as they it. hit their teenage years and do all the different things. And we spend all this time going, oh, I can do this on my own. And then something will happen and you're like, oh, I shouldn't be doing this on my own. <laughs> this is in God's hands. Yeah. <laughs> you're like, but you, you have to be reminded of that all the time. So, you know, you're kind of like... It's funny when you like read the Old Testament, you're like, oh, what are the Israelites doing? Like, <laughs> that's exactly what we're like. Right? Yeah, constantly. <laughs> um, and hindsight's a wonderful thing. And we've got a lot of hindsight looking at the Israelites. We've got a little bit of hindsight looking at our parenting journey. But yeah, so hindsight's helpful to reflect and think through how you could have <laughs> done it differently or yeah. where we've gone wrong. You're like, well, it wouldn't be this difficult if you just like paid attention to the thing you need to pay attention to, Joel. But yeah, yeah. it doesn't happen. Um, before we run out of time, yes, I wanted to ask you about your journey to Sorrowville Church, yeah. and the reason I ask you that is because to come back a little bit because you mm. guys actually planted your mm. own church, right? We did. Yep. Can you tell us about that? How did you get to that point? Yep. And then uh, how it transpired and and what went on? Yeah. So, um, uh, so Lee was youth pastor yes, was youth at Engadine Kong, um, which is where we were churching, and. Um, so that was when Josh was a baby. He sort of started doing that. And then he went to Youth Works College. Okay. Um, when it used to be at Camp Wanawong, where Year 13 now is. Yes. It used to be, Youth Works used to be down there. Okay. So he did his, I think, three years of college there and then a year at, or some night classes at SMBC and then went on to more college at another three years. And sort of did that all while we were having babies. Um, so our last baby, Ava, was born while we were living in more college um, in, our, in Lee's fourth year. Uh, I say fourth year. He was only there for three years, but he started in second year because he did three years at YouthWorks, if that makes any sense. Oh, like could he got, um, what's it called, um, he, credit? or Yeah, he went in in second year. Yep. Um, and <coughs> so in that, that time period, we'd 
yeah, we'd been at, at um, Engadine, he'd been the youth pastor there, and um, he had been to hear... My brain's not working now. It's What's right. the guy that was came over from America and he planted a church over there and has later sort of Mark failed Driscoll. Mark Driscoll mm-hmm. <laughs> ministry. So Mark Driscoll came to Sydney to speak and Lee yes. went and heard him speak and was like really convicted about planting church. So I'd started off by saying before we thought we might do overseas mission stuff. Mm-hmm. And then I think through the journey of like we'd, um, we'd done a, like a mission course and different things and we'd I think Lee at the time had really like particularly Lee, I think this was less me, this was more his journey, had sort of not really grasped the place of the local church and the importance of that in the big picture of God's world, partly because of his own hurt over his experience of church in Northern Ireland. Right. And so he was like, mission is the way to do it. That's how we're going to evangelise the world is through mission because if you're a missionary, you can be creative and you can go and think outside of the box and you can go and do these things, whereas churches are really rigid and you can't do that in church. So that was part of his journey and then he got to the point of realising, no, that's actually not God's picture for the church and actually God really highly values the church and it's a really important place to, to grow and to make disciples and all that kind of thing. So he'd moved into working for the local church in youth ministry and... I think that's a circumstantial thing. I think it was God leading. I think he had wanted to leave nursing but had always kind of had this thing of not really, not wanting to leave nursing because that's where he saw a lot of his identity and there was a lot of stuff wrapped up in that with him um, in his family history and family background and he was the only person in his family that had gone to uni and so he had to follow through on that and, you know, do all of those things. So there was, so that's sort of, I mean, I guess that's his story but that's complicated complex but he'd sort of struggled to step out of that into what we might have done but I think through this having to stop nursing through workers comp and stuff was God's way of pushing him into into ministry so he'd gone on to yes be the youth minister and then was training at youth works and then it was like oh I think you know I might he, at one point he was like I might be a youth pastor forever and like that's totally cool um be fine with that but wanted to get on to go to more college to get more theologically trained um, and then in that process, we'd had uh, a church in Tasmania. Actually, the church <laughs> that um, we... So the guy that was the missionary in Hull when we yes. were there. He moved so to Tasmania. He moved back that. to Tassie. So he's from Tassie. Mm-hmm. He'd moved back to Tassie. There was another couple in that church who were English, but they'd also then later moved to Tassie to plant a church down there okay. as part of this same network of churches that were being planted by this sort of big mother church. And um, at one point, they'd contacted Lee and said, oh, we've got this youth pastor position going, would you consider it? And we were like, oh, maybe. So we went to Tassie, looked into it, lots of things about it that were really awesome. But we felt very convicted at that moment that we should stay where we were, that the, um, the church that we were part of, you know, they were just at this point where things were starting to, to turn around a little bit in terms of youth ministry stuff. And Lee, um, Lee's role was integral in that. And we didn't want to sort of jump away at that moment so we stuck there for a while but in the next year it was just I mean it's again it's so totally God because there was we weren't looking to change or do anything different but Lee just kept getting phone calls offering him jobs which was <laughs> <just> so <laughs> random and it, it was just really bizarre but each time that the phone call came it was just something slightly further out of our 
comfort zone. So the Tassie job for us was like, we've got friends there, we know it. It felt very, when we were visiting, I was like, oh, it's like being at home. It's mm. kind of Englishy and mm. it's quite nice. And it was a big church that was growing and it was like quite comfortable in a way. And then just little bits, anyway. Got to the point where we got a phone call from a guy, Dan Godden, who was a friend of um, Lee's, and he had planted a church, Salt Church in Wollongong, and oh, yeah. they were looking for a mission and maturity pastor and were keen for Lee to take that place. So we, again, we went down there and we chatted to them and looked at, the, looked at was that a possibility? And on the way back from Wollongong, because I'm going, oh, yeah, I could see us doing that. Like every time we do these things, I'm like, oh, yeah, I could see it. And Lee's like... <laughs> got well, a like different, no different picture, different plan. Okay. And he came back and he's like, oh, I feel really convicted that we should plant our own church. <laughs> I just kind of laughed and I was like, oh, that's ridiculous. Don't be so silly. <laughs> I don't think we're going to do that. <laughs> and he'd already been going on his own journey of this where he'd been to a few church planting conferences and sort of started seeing some things. So mm. have Leon and he can tell you his story. But my story was, yeah. oh, yeah, we could do that. But no, that's ridiculous. No, we're not, we're not planting a church. Yeah, yeah. Like, why would we do that? And then like... Oh, no, a few weeks later, you got a phone call <laughs> from somebody within the congregational churches. So Engadine Congregational Church was where he was working. And it was actually he wasn't in the congregational churches anymore, but he used to be part of the FCC, which stands for Fellowship of Congregational Churches. Mm-hmm. He was currently working for a church plant in the FIEC, um, Fellowship of Independent Evangelical Churches. And okay. th- they're very connected with Geneva Push, which is the church planting organisation that we later planted through. Yep. And that was the conference that Lee had been to where he'd started getting convicted about mm. planting. Anyway, he'd got a, com- a phone call from them saying, would you consider planting a church with the FCC, with the Fellowship of Congregational Churches? And so we prayed about it. And within about a week, we both were like really convicted that maybe this was actually God's plan for what we should do. And part of that was because the FCC had a lot of their churches were, were closing because they didn't have enough people. And so they had a lot of buildings that were empty and they were selling the empty buildings, but they were putting the money from the empty buildings into a church planting fund because they recognised that they needed to plant churches if they mm. wanted the organisation to continue. And oh, I shouldn't say organisation, they're a fellowship. Um, okay. <laughs> properly PC, that's not quite the right word. But anyway, okay. um, if they want that their fellowship to continue. Um, and so... There was this money sitting there that they wanted to use for church planting, but they didn't have anybody to plant a church. And as an organisation, they or as a fellowship, they are their history is such that they um, they so the congregational churches back in the fifties, sixties, mostly went to, with the uniting church. Mm-hmm. And so there was a small group of congregational churches that stayed out of that because they didn't agree with the um, what the belief system of the Uniting Church and they wanted to sort of remain separate and so that became the Fellowship of Congregational Churches. Um, and so they were quite strong on a lot of things in terms of like the, um, like the way you read the Bible and the fact that it's the whole word of God and all of those sorts of things and so so we went through Geneva Push they do like a church planting assessment so they do some like really in-depth interviews ask you about like every single aspect of your life Mm -hmm. your sin your marriage your like 
growth, your faith, your everything. They did for Lee even more like lots of psychometric testing and that kind of stuff because they don't want people to plant churches that fail. They want people to plant, and they don't actually more than that. They don't want people to plant churches and then their marriage fails or they walk away from God. So they want to really make sure that you've got the right kind of personality, the right faith, you know, not right faith, but you know, like the strength of faith and strength mm-hmm. in marriage mm-hmm. to be able to push through some of those hurdles that are going to come up against you when you're planting a church. So we did that, which was, you know, actually I don't mind, I didn't mind that process. I felt like it was quite helpful because it was good for us to be like thinking through all of that stuff and going, do we have like the right supports in place? What is going to happen if we, um, yeah, like if the, we have issues in our marriage or like, you know, all, all that kind of stuff, like do we have what it what it takes, I guess, because yeah. we don't want that to be the case either. Because uh, church planning is difficult. Church planning right? is difficult. <laughs> it's difficult. difficult. And and we were really like um, what you might call a parachute plant. So we were just literally coming in with nothing and starting mm-hmm. from scratch. Um, so even though we were planting with the FCC, we weren't being given a group of people. We didn't have anybody to come with us. We didn't. But we had some money, which was helpful because yeah. we like, but not not heaps, like a, a bit to get us going um, for a f- couple of years. Uh, no building, no nothing. Like, you know, like really like from scratch. So that was sort of 2013, we started that process. 2014, Lee, Lee finished his final year of Barber College. Um, our last baby, Ava, was born that year. And uh, we were sort of building a team to, to plant with that year. So by the end of 2014, well, I mean, even the, the working out where did we plant was a process. But anyway, we ended up landing on Cronulla. And um, the end of 2014, we left college, moved to Cronulla, I think the week before Christmas or something silly like that. And, <laughs> well, it's um, not unheard of with you guys. <laughs> <laughs> and Lee, would, like, Lee had been really sick that year and had like, had pneumonia and all sorts of things. So mm. it hadn't, hadn't handed in a couple of assignments and so had extensions on them, but that meant the week we were moving, he was still writing assignments, mm. even though it was the week of Christmas. Mm. Um, so yeah, lots of, lots of fun things. So we, we did that. And then that was, yeah, 2015, we started meeting weekly in our backyard and we had a little rental house in Baronair Bay Road. And we met in the pool house (laughs) at the back (laughs) in the yard. Um, And we started off with like us, there was us and another couple. And then that kind of quickly, so this was sort of mid the year before, so mid 2014, we had us and another couple said, yeah, we'll come with you. By the end of 2015, we probably had about, 10 people maybe, mm. maybe 12 yeah. when we started meeting in our backyard. And then sort of by about, I don't know, we, we did our what's called a public launch about, I don't know, September time of 2015. And I think we had about 30 people yeah, by great. that point. So we'd been meeting weekly from the January through the September, um, mostly in our backyard. And then we'd moved to the Masonic Hall in Cronulla at oh, about yeah. May time. Um <coughs> Which was good to just kind of practice that sort of bumping in, bumping out, set up stuff and all the challenges of that. Mm. Uh, yeah, and and God was good. Like he, he kept growing us and it was really exciting and hard work. Yeah. And just after public launch, we kind of hit this point of being like, wow, the devil is really trying to get in there, like really trying to attack our church. We had so many pastoral issues like and big stuff not just like oh you know little things but um in a small church it was like wow there's a lot of stuff going on including Mm. a couple who had started coming 
to us who she had some kind of faith, he didn't, and they were living in an apartment that seemed to be like actually have like a demon or something in it. Yeah. And I'd got I've got no reason to doubt from the way that they were explaining the situation wow. and they were just, he was totally like, oh, don't be ridiculous. Basically, when she was lying in bed, she would feel like something was touching her. And he was like, that's ridiculous, don't be so silly. And she was like, well, just you lie on my side of the bed then because I can't lie there anymore. And he laid there and he felt, experienced the same thing. <laughs> anyway, all sorts of random stuff. So right. that was kind of like, that's just an example, just an example yeah. of what was going on. But mm. this couple were like, you know, obviously there was that and there was lots of stuff. So we, I think, yeah, we felt like the weight of a lot of that and really felt like um, there was a lot of, I don't know. Yeah, we, we, I guess we just sort of went, oh yeah, this is, this is a lot. But also we knew that, and this has been a pattern in our lives, is that when something exciting and new is about to happen, often we get a lot of attack from the devil. And yeah. so we felt like that was in some ways an encouragement to be like, yeah, keep pushing on, yeah. keep going, because yeah. you're doing something right. Because if you weren't, why would the devil bother? Like, why would he, you know, we'd had we'd have a lot of our <laughs> team meetings in our house and like the whole team would be in tears and we're going, okay, let's keep going because there's obviously something good happening here <laughs> if we're all kind of this fun, this hard. Yeah. Um, yeah, and it was just really awesome, like just digging in. Like, I think one of my things that I love most about ministry is like, helping people mature in their faith um and so I'd spent a lot of time with a lot of the women in our core team and just one-to-one meeting with them and really just helping them mature but obviously in that process I get the benefit of maturing too and that real encouragement in discipleship stuff which I love um yeah so we we I guess kept meeting and we were a church and we did that for a few years. Mm. There's some really cool things that happened. Mm. We used to run a mission called Cronulla Life and we had lots of people, um, yeah, exploring Jesus through that and um, 10 or more people come to faith in yeah. Christ over the years That's and awesome. lots of people coming back to faith in mm. Christ like that had sort of walked away from church mm. or were sort of like, oh, I'm about to sort of walk away mm. and this and is my large disc. It's a similar story to Soul Revival in, yeah. the, in, the, in the kind of later, mm. one, many, many times over the years, yeah. Yeah, just that sort of like, this is my last ditch <coughs> effort and if this doesn't work, I'm, I'm out mm. of here kind of thing. And, and a lot of people who are still walking with God now who say probably wouldn't have been had it not been for that. Yeah, that's great. Um, which is really cool. Um, and, you know, obviously we poured our heart and soul into that, but I totally see that it's God doing the work through that, you know, we... We put a lot of time and energy and effort and, and love and sacrifice in, but uh, without God working, <laughs> we can do all of that and nothing much would have changed. Mm. Um, and then, yeah, I mean, I guess clearly established is no longer around, <laughs> otherwise yeah. we wouldn't be at Soul Revival, but the sort of the story to that, I think, is in some ways I'm still trying to work it out. Like I don't okay. know that I've got a really clear answer mm. as to what happened, but um, about 2019... We had some financial issues. So, so a lot of our external funding was starting to, to pull out, which is right, you know, it should be at that point. We'd mm. been going since 2015, so that's about four years. And so, you know, we need to start standing on our own two feet, basically. And um, because of that, we hit some financial issues mid-2019. And uh, a lot of also, a lot of our core team were sort of in their early 20s when we started. 
and they were sort of getting married and moving because they couldn't afford to live in the Shire anymore. And so like a lot of them were moving up the coast and down the coast and away from where we were. So we lost quite a big chunk of our core team at that point. And they were our big, really committed people. And so we had grown from that point and there was other people around and we were still probably hitting about, I don't know, 80 people or something. But they were the, it was just different. It wasn't our sort of core people who really, really kind of integrally knew all of our values and what we were on about mm. and really were sort of, I mean, some of them were, <laughs> but not, but we lost a big chunk of that is the point. Um, and so anyway, we, we kind of pushed on. We talked to people about the importance of giving, not that we hadn't done that before, but we really kind of went, okay, like this is a really important thing and like this is the sacrifices and, and do we, like, are, are we on board with this? Like, do we think this is something that we really think is worth pushing or do we think this is not worth it? Like, should we just stop? And everyone was like, no, 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 this is a good thing. We should go. And it's like, okay, well, if that's the case, then we need to own this and we need to take responsibility for it and we need to make this work. Um, so we so we did that 2019 and we seemed to be starting to build a bit of momentum again. And then 2020 obviously hit, was the next year. And in some ways, like, you know, that excitement and change and having to shift gear and do things different, I think, helped buoy things up a little bit and move things through. We got some extra funding from the government, which was beneficial from a financial perspective. Yeah. But, but we lost people that year to <coughs> similar reasons, just moving away or like mm. changing. And we didn't have front doors for people to walk in through. We yeah. had a lot of people online would kind of watch and things like that. And so church changed a lot. We had to move building in the midst of that. Um, and when we came back together, some people were struggling to come back and meet again through like social anxiety type stuff. Um, fear of COVID, or, mm. but more honestly was fear of like just people, <laughs> I feel like, which is a bit ironic. Yeah. Um, yeah, and so really from 2020 on, we've just been struggling to get that momentum again. And then there was the next lockdown. And then at the end of 2020, well, the start of 2021, Lee's mum got diagnosed with cancer. Mm. And end of 2021, about October, um, it was clear that it was terminal and she wasn't going to wasn't going to make it and so Lee jumped on a plane went back home for a couple of weeks that was like literally I think the day that churches opened up again oh, in okay. 2021 so it was like we'd been closed for all this time and then churches opened Lee went home for two weeks um came back and was like if we if you and the kids are going to see mum before she dies we need to go soon so we kind of made a plan to to go um so we <laughs> in about three weeks like packed up the house because we we decided the only way we could afford it is if we put the house on Airbnb. And so we like had to rally around, get the house all packed up in the garage, mm. make do repairs, book tickets, get passports, do all the things, jumped on a plane and went back to the UK. Um, and long story short, we had to stay longer because we got COVID while we were there. So we were isolating. Right. So we didn't get to see his mum. We were meant to be there for eight weeks and we spent four weeks of that isolating. No. And so we decided to, to extend by an extra two weeks. Is that right? No, an extra month, an extra four weeks. And we were meant to come back f end of Feb 2022. Um, the week before we were flying to Australia, we were going to fly to England to see my family. And the day 
the day that we were meant to get on the plane or the day before we were meant to get on the plane, Lee's mum couldn't get out of bed. She was just in too much pain and um, called an ambulance and basically she was admitted into hospital and they fast-tracked some test results and said, oh, she's actually just, it's everywhere. Like it's spread through her spine. She's got multiple fractures in her spine. She's, it's just kind of in all of her entire body and she's probably got a couple of weeks to live and we're sort of saying, you know, if is the... Australian relative here or do you need to call him like do you need to get him to come from Australia and say no no he's here but had we gone home at that point we'd have been he'd have been getting the phone call to come back so our thought was we were going to go for eight weeks come home and at some point Lee would fly over at the point at which she was passing away but at that moment we were like he's being told to come back like we just have to stay until she passes away and that was an awful awful decision to make because we knew where church was at. We knew church was in a bad place. We knew that we'd left them, <laughs> you know, and not only left church, but left the leadership, like really left yeah. the leadership to hold the fort for, uh, well, six, six, eight weeks plus an extra four weeks already. Mm. And we didn't know when we were going to come back. Come like back. we thought it would be a couple of weeks before she died and then, you know, a couple of weeks and then we'd be home, but we didn't know. We didn't know what that looked like and it meant missing. So, like, our assistant pastor was getting married in March. We meant we wouldn't be at the wedding. Lee was meant to be taking that wedding. He's a really close friend, obviously, because we work together. Um, we just, it was, it was really, really hard. We knew that going was not the right, you know, coming back here was not the right choice. But we also knew that staying was also a really hard choice too. Mm. And I think in those moments and and a few moments before that, we'd had to really kind of say, God, we know this is your church. It's not our church. Um, we know it's in your hands. We don't know what you're going to do with it. We don't know whether this is the end. This could be the beginning of the end. And if that's the case, then, then that's the case. But we can't make a different decision. We have to be here. Um, so, yeah, really horrible, tumultuous week or two um, mm, making yeah. that decision. And even once the decision was made, it wasn't easy. You yeah. Know? yeah, exactly. Um, and then we walked through the next four weeks of his mum passing away, um, which is pretty awful. Amazingly, she had become a Christian um, oh, about really? 10 years before that when she came to visit us in Australia at one point, That's which was really amazing. cool. Um, and so walking through her dying but as a Christian was a sweet, bittersweet experience. Mm. I think death still has a sting. There's no, no doubt about sure. that. There's mm. not like, um, you know, yes, she knew she would be with Jesus, but that doesn't mean that death's easy. Mm. Uh, and we knew that she'd be with Jesus and we'd see her again one day, but it doesn't make it easy. Mm. So that was a really hard, hard period of time and then hard to leave again because we'd been there for five months in the end by the time we came home um, and you know they're our family they're our deepest relationships that we'll ever have and we just spent that real deep in-depth time with them and really got to know them and in a different way like some of like Lee also has a, a son who's in his 20s and a granddaughter okay. who's four or five we didn't really know them very well and we just got to know them really really well and so like leaving that is really really hard so and knowing what we were coming home to as well (laughs) knowing that established was in a bad place knowing that people were were hurt by us not coming back you know like they were and I get that um but that was hard to come back to Mm -hmm. 
as well because part of me just wanted to be like, oh, forget it. We'll just stay here with our family. <laughs> oh, <okay. laughs> um, but at the same time, my kids were obviously – and we missed here and this is our home and we've been here for 18 years and we've got friends who love us and care for us deeply and it's not that we didn't feel loved and cared for. We did, but it was still hard, mm-hmm. yeah. So we came home and, um, yeah, financially church was in a really, really bad place um, and – and also a few people had left and so it was dwindling in terms of just getting people to serve and all of that kind of stuff was really hard and challenging. Um, and we sort of made a last uh, attempt at renewal um, and got people to really commit to praying and to think about their giving and that kind of thing. And that, we had a really good response from that, actually, and it was really encouraging. And there was this moment where we were like, oh, maybe, maybe this is going to work and it's all going to be okay. And then, um, yeah, Lee had a really hard patch of um, mental health stuff happen uh, about sort of August, September. And I don't think that was the sort of the thing that sealed it, but I think that certainly didn't help along with all the other things that were going on. It was really hard to kind of keep pushing through and uh, we made the decision to to close. And I think, yeah, it was really hard to make yeah. that decision. Oh, it would have been. <laughs> but at the same time, I think we didn't want to keep pushing on with something that was going to potentially get to the point where it would cause damage for people. And, and actually, and maybe we did already. Maybe we pushed it too far. I don't know. I think people were hurt along the way. Um, I hope that we've given people the opportunity to process that and talk about that and, um, yeah, have reconciliation and forgiveness. I feel like some of those last few weeks and months we did a lot of that, that you know, a lot of talking and a lot of processing and that kind of thing. And I hope people know that Lee and I are always still here and open to talk to about anything. Um, but, yeah, I can't assume that it was smooth sailing for everyone. Um, yeah. Mm. And then so you ended up coming to Sorrowbundle eventually? So yeah, so that was December 4th, we had our last service Mm. and then we went away over Christmas in January and we came here in February, sort of thinking we'd look around and go to a few different places and then we just, I think it was partly the kids, I was like, actually they really struggled to not know what was happening. They'd had so much unknown in the previous few years. Like every, the whole time we were in Northern Ireland, we didn't know when we were going home. We didn't know what was happening. We didn't know anything. And then we'd come home and we didn't know if church was going to live or not or what was going to happen, you know, like all of that stuff. So there'd been a lot of unknowns and one of our kids in particular struggles with that, but like for all of them. Hmm. And so we just got to the point of going, okay, is there any reason not to make this our home? Like should we go and, we did go to one other church, but I think we just went, hmm. I don't see the value right now in church, looking at lots of different churches. Like, we feel like this is a great place, it's a great community. I think for us, we we like a lot of the stuff that's said from the front about Jesus and the vision stuff and the way that you guys talk about being on mission and what you're on about and all of that kind of stuff is very similar to what we did. We mm. know, we've known, or Lee particularly has known Stu for years yeah. and we know we're very much on board and like similar in terms of the way that we approach ministry and that kind of stuff. So mm. it just sort of felt like a fit for us to come here yeah. really. And the kids settled in pretty well. And well, that's, well It's nice to be like a bit of a refuge for you guys after yeah. what you've been through. So, yeah. And I think I know that, that we're really blessed to have you guys here anyway because oh. <laughs> um, yeah, it's been really nice. Um, the, uh, we've been going for quite a while. Oh. <laughs> 
<laughs> I think they might end up being the longest one. Oh no! But, uh, <laughs> which is okay. But there's one more question to ask. Oh, you, okay, go on then. So I don't, I don't mean to um, uh, minimize what you're saying there because yeah, yeah. it's all like everything you've just said in that last bit was like would have been really difficult. Yeah. And I just yeah want to say that like that's okay for it to be difficult because it would have been. I mean, it's not something that I've done, <laughs> so yeah, I don't think that. Yeah. Um, I don't think it's many th- thing. It's, I don't think it's a thing that many people would be able to go through either. So I think it's probably a testament to yours and Lee's faith mm. to be able to keep going. So I think that was really cool. <laughs> uh, last question. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> <clears throat> but I, I feel like we've only barely scratched the surface of your life because there's so, like there's so many things like travel and all that kind of thing. Yeah. yeah. But um, what do you wish you knew? What do you wish you knew when you were a younger Christian that you know now as a Christian? Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good question. I, I wish I knew then that I know now. Ooh, that's really hard. I don't know. I can say some stuff, but I don't know whether that's exactly you know, if the you're whole thing. It fully, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Um, you can pick one. I'll pick one thing. <laughs> so one thing I think I've, and this is probably less of a knowing and more of a something I've seen God doing, mm. is that I think when you first become a Christian, like God reveals sin in your life in a particular way. Like, as in for me, it was don't drink and don't swear. Like, right. It's pretty surface level. It's pretty basic, kind yeah. of relatively simple to stop in some regards. Like sometimes that could be challenging, but mm. not, you know, not hard. Um, and as I think I've gone on in my faith, I think the, the the revealing of sin becomes different. Like it becomes a, like a, a more complex harder thing to even put your finger on mm. maybe like mm. it's not always just really blatant clear sins it's yeah, like it's, agree with you. it's like my relationship with jesus like how do i view god how much time do i spend with him and give to him or how much like am i relying on myself and like it's it's much more complex and nuanced i think yeah. and i think god's really gracious in the way that he does that because i think if you got this like imagine when you first become a christian if God showed you it all in one go. Yeah. <laughs> just be like, You'd okay, take me now. <laughs> just let me go to heaven yeah, now, exactly. please. Um, and so I think that's a testament to God's grace as well. But just that, the, yeah, the depths of like uh, sinful nature, I think is just something that's revealed slowly over time. So I think it's something I, I'm glad I didn't know. I don't know if that's kind of like taking the question backwards, but it's something I'm glad I didn't know at the time was okay. like the depths of my... Of what's sin, sin and of the way that that yeah. God's revealed that to me over. Time. So just like how corrupted by sin the world is, in a sense, and yeah. then you as well. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. So that's actually not answering your question at all. Sorry. Well, <laughs> it like is. It's like the total backwards. It's like it's yeah. It is. It is. I wish I didn't know. I'm glad I didn't know that. Well, you we you yeah. It is a reverse, isn't it? Yeah. But that's funny. That's cool. That's a good way of answering it. <laughs> I think that's like. To kind of wrap up the episode, mm. it's just that I think your story is quite unique. Like becoming a Christian in uni, mm. he was very resistant to it to begin with, mm. but then very accepting <laughs> afterwards. Yeah. Um, and you talked about like being logical and needing to have things explained to you. But and then I think I've also seen from what you're telling me that God has also said not everything is logical and that mm. like you need to trust him more mm. in that too. So that's something I've been encouraged by as well. Mm. But... um. Yeah, I think I've, I already said before. I think it's been a real blessing to have you guys come on, mm. despite 
all the other things that you were doing. And uh, like, and to plant a church requires a great deal of faith mm. and um, risk taking. <laughs> and then to, but also to push through it, get to a point like you, you felt like it was really growing. You push through it all the time. You think Satan was attacking you, and then to deal with like having to stay in Northern Ireland for almost mm. six months. And then have to make the really difficult decision of closing the church. I think that also requires a fair bit of humility. Mm. And I think that's, an, that's a, a great example of like, you went out, you said, we're going to plant a church. And then all this stuff happened. You're like, oh, we might need to, this isn't the way we were planned for going. Yeah. But you also said, well, we might, it might be best for ourselves and other people to just do this right now. Yeah. And I just think, um, yeah, it's a great example of humility again. And I think it again is a sign of your, yours and Lee's faith. Which is, again, no small um, small thing. Mm. So yeah, it's been really lovely to have you on the podcast. Thanks, John. Thank okay. you. Thank you for being. <laughs> so, I think you also like enjoy your honesty and the way you articulate everything you're talking about. It, you obviously clearly think about it a lot, but also you articulate it in a way that is very uh, thoughtful. Mm. And also, but I think you can like you're also thinking about it as a, like not just as yourself. You're thinking about what does God think about this. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah. So thank you for that. Pleasure. Um, I think you did break the record. Oh, no. (laughs) I actually (laughs) just had one last thought on your last question. Do you want to hear it or is that too? No, finish it off. Okay, so um, (coughs) what do I – I think this is my growth point. This is like the thing I'm trying to grow in and I guess that's therefore helpful if I'd have known it for longer, maybe I'd be (laughs) further on in my maturity journey, I don't know. But I think – like I remember I was saying when I first became a Christian, I was like, oh, I just want to read the Bible. It's so amazing. And I just – I'm like – I think that's kind of also my personality. Like I'm a bit of a – doer and I like I want I like you know consuming (laughs) so I'll read and I'll read and I'll read and I'll read Mm -hmm. I think the thing that I get challenged by is the stopping and thinking and meditating and praying and so the area that I'm always trying to push myself in with my relationship with God is that yeah read the Bible obviously that's the starting basis but be prayerful in my reading spend time dwelling on that thinking about it Mm -hmm. meditating on it and talking but also listening and so that kind of part of my journey of like maturity I feel like that's something I feel like I've been trying to do this for the last you know specifically probably three or four years still trying to work on it Mm. but had I known that maybe in the beginning maybe I'd have changed maybe my patterns of my time with God might have been different Mm. and I my growth might have been different so are you saying kind of allowing God more into the space kind of thing Mm. rather than just going this god says this and i'm gonna do this yeah kind of and i think it's just that like i find it easier just to read i can just sit and read (coughs) and i I like that i enjoy Mm. that Mm. i find it harder to pray i find it harder to be still and think and listen and like you know i'll happily listen to a podcast about the bible that's cool (laughs) but like just listen to music and think about god my mind yeah, I think I'd probably and, and so I think getting better at like actually just being in God's presence mm. and finding those moments to spend time with him that's not me consuming something like a podcast or a Bible reading or a whatever is where I'm trying to push myself because it's out, it's out of my comfort zone. It's, yeah. it's harder. 
yep. I find it more challenging. No, so, I like that because yeah. I feel like I need to do that more too. Yeah. So thank okay. you. <laughs> great, great way to finish up the podcast. <laughs> cool. Again, thank you very much for coming on. My pleasure. And Thanks also at re- reasonably short notice too, so I appreciate <laughs> that very much. Thank you to two of your children who are here, been waiting <laughs> for quite a while. Poor kids, they're probably starving. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. uh, well, I know I am. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> but um, we finish every podcast with a one way. So if you're happy cool. to do a one way, sure. let's do that. So and thank you again. And thank you to everyone listening and one way. One way. <laughs>